Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk to recorded live. Um, this is September 17th, 2015 at 7.31, according to my computer. And I am uh, <laughs> I'm actually ginger cookie but it says Thrive and Joy at the top of the page there in the um, list of people who are in the chat right now on TalkShoe. And uh, that's an old name, but it's still me. You can call me either one. I don't care um, because our name is actually what's got us trapped. But that's a whole other line that we don't need to go into right now. Our parents named us and handed us over to apparently the queen, but... That's a whole other line. If you research that stuff, just go down that path. It's not something I've spent a lot of time on, but I do understand it. We are not our name. Only God knows our name, actually. But we are not that name that our parents gave us on a piece of paper. So call yourself anything you want. All right. So I am Ginger. That's what I call myself. And... um, this is into the UDA, and UDA stands for Observe, Orient, Decide, Act. And it's a, it's a military strategy, but it's also been used for other things um, in business. And it's the UDA loop. So if you're ever interested in figuring out all the ins and outs of it and how you can apply it to your own life, then just look it up because, man, everything's on the Internet nowadays. If you, <laughs> you look long enough, you'll find almost anything. And um, there's diagrams of different adaptations of the UDA, but basically what it's saying is, you know, you need to learn all you can about something, figure out how you are in relation to it, decide what you're going to do about that, and then do it, and do it quickly as you can, and it will give you an advantage, and that's where the the idea came from, was from the military use of it, the strategic use of it, and that's why there's two fighter jets in the logo for uh, Into the UDA because that's what my original thought was, is if we could learn how to you know, think of this in another sense, we could use it to our advantage, and we could use it to defeat the enemies. And um, it doesn't take much more than that. You don't have to uh, do anything violent or anything. You can just use your wits, your brains, your intelligence, stick that information right in the right place, and you can you know, knock down any house of cards any day of the week. So, you know, like I said, here I am. I'm just, well, somebody just wanted to drop the F-bomb and leave, so there you go. In case you don't know how to spell it, it's F-U-C-K, so. Um, And they're gone. So I'm going to block participation, and then I'll just unblock people as I see that. That way they can't come in and just do that, okay? I'm going to unblock the guests that are here right now. There. Everybody that's here, um, number seven came and left. So, yeah, they won't be able to come back. Okay, and it crossed them off. So whatever they were putting in there, it looks like they were putting something racist in there. All right, so 
yes, it's my playpen, as Judge Judy would say. So how is everybody this week? I, um, as usual, have had my brain going full time day and night when I'm awake, and then I dream about it at night. And um, this morning I woke up and I'd been looking for a book in a library. I worked in libraries for years, and I love them. haven't been in any for a few years because I haven't had time. But I love libraries. I love knowledge. I like to study things. I love to research. And I'd been looking for this book in this particular library that in my dream was a place where I used to work, although it didn't really look like it, but in my dream it was where I used to work. And I had come back and I was looking for you know, some organization and seeing things in disarray, but realizing that was change. So I've done my own dream interpretation. Is that uh, information might be hard to find, it may be disorganized, it may be chaotic wherever it is, but you can still find it. And I did find the book that I wanted. And it was a thick book, and I wish I could remember the title of it because it was one word. It was nothing I'd ever heard of before, but it was a significant word. It was something like, you know, something like ransacked or, uh, um, <laughs> I don't know, some word like that that meant destruction. And um, so I was like, okay, that was a weird dream. So I woke up and decided I was getting out of bed, and that was enough of that. And, you know, as with everything, there's a plot twist every day, and sometimes several of them in one day. And today what happened was one of my tenants called that um, she's going to be moving. And it's somebody I've known a long time. She's been a tenant for more than 15 years, I think. And so it was a little bit, at first it was like, oh, man, no. you know. And then I thought, this is friggin' awesome. So I had a conversation with her about an hour ago, and it was really good. She's, you know, she's a good person. She's a really nice woman and has been a wonderful tenant of mine. But I realized that I was carrying a lot of burden worrying about her, you know, how things were going to be with her if I, you know, had to sell the house or if I couldn't get my act together for yet another winter. And it was going to be difficult. And um, I'm relieved of it. I'm actually relieved of it. I'm looking forward to the fact that she's moving to a place where she's going to have more room and she's excited. Um, what happened was she she has found a way to be able to afford something larger, and so it's going to be great for her. So I'm happy. As It's like, you know, things are going to work their way through no matter what. Things are going to come in the timing that they need to. And some of the stuff where we're sitting through right now that are, you know, difficult times um, are going to come to an end. Now, to the world, it looks like just utter chaos continuing. Um, I don't know what's happened to people's brains. I saw something today while researching somewhere. I don't even know where now, if it was on Facebook or somewhere, but it was a, it was a little story about some type of virus that makes people crazy and that they, you know, they go like to zombies or whatever. And I thought, well, that explains it. I didn't even read the story because I figured it was probably a joke, but something needs to explain why we have people that are totally out to lunch and can't even form a thought, but I don't know. Maybe you guys have an idea of what's happening. I, I saved some stuff today, one of them, which I saw right before lunch again. Uh, I mean, before dinner, I was cooking dinner and I saw it, and I was like, oh, i got to bring this up tonight because... 
we talk about Agenda 21 and we talk about all the different things that are going on as far as plans for the whole world. And, and um, apparently now there's going to be Agenda 30 or something. <laughs> they have to have the new improved version of Agenda 21. But basically, um, you know, the ideas are that the world is going to be saved by this massive control thing. And um, Agenda 30 is probably just 21 on steroids is what I'm thinking. I, I haven't found it yet. I'm sure it's somewhere um, written down because people are just starting to talk about it a lot. And uh, I'm sure that I'll have more to say about it later after I find a copy of it. So if anyone that's in the chat right now knows where there's a copy of Agenda 30, I would like to see it. Um, today in the Bangor Daily, in fact, they've, they've already moved it because I had a hard time finding it to go back to it. But here's, here's what they had in there. Um, in Falmouth, which is down by Portland, we always talk about how strange it is in Portland, how crazy the people are down there. They just It's like their brain has gone on the, uh, you know, uh, what do you call that, when everybody's on the same page and they're just like, going, it's hive mind or whatever, it, but it's in a bad way. Um, they all think alike. And this was written by Colin, Colin or Colin Ellis, the forecaster, it says, Falmouth plastic bag ban finds support from residents. Town hall was crowded Wednesday night as dozens of residents packed in for a public forum on whether to ban plastic shopping bags. This is something that's going on all over the country, by the way. And maybe near you, you have your plastic bags banned. And maybe you think that's just the best thing in the world. I don't happen to think it's the best thing in the world because in the first place, we used to have paper bags in Maine and we made them. So it was to our advantage to continue on using paper bags. Paper bags were recyclable. You could throw them in a paper recycling. You could um, not put them in the waste stream by using them as kindling to start your wood fires. You could bundle up your newspapers and take them to the recycling center in them. You could cover school books to keep them safe. We used paper bags for a lot of things. Um, and eventually they were pushed out in favor of you know using the using the idea that oh, we're saving trees because it's like a tragedy if you cut a tree down. And we're like, this is Maine. We have so many trees that you trip over them. If you don't mow your lawn, you're going to have a forest. So we're not going to be in danger of losing all our trees in Maine. You'd have to have something really catastrophic happen. Like, And I don't want to give the global controllers any ideas, but something big would have to happen because trees just grow here. It's like a weed somewhere else. They, they we have huge tracts of forests here. And they're working for us. They've been cut. We've made wood. We've made furniture. We've made flooring. We've made paper. And our houses are built of wood in Maine, for the most part, frame houses. So what we did was we shot ourselves in the foot, and we decided we were going to have plastic bags, which you know, those of us who started the uh, ecology movement, as they called it back then, we're appalled because plastic does not break down in a landfill. It's there for a long, long time if it ever breaks down. Some of it doesn't break down. So we didn't really like it, but it was shoved down our throats, and now they're the thing that we're supposed to be getting rid of, is plastic bags. Not to go back to paper. Oh, no, not to go back to paper. To go to some other bag that you bring with you, a fabric bag or something like that, which is wonderful in theory if you remember to do it. And if you, you know, don't like pack meat in it and then forget to wash it, things like that, that could be a health issue. 
nobody thinks about that. They just think about this horrible plastic, horrible plastic. So, all right, I'm ranting. Here we go. Following a brief presentation by the Recycling and Energy Advisory Committee, which has been leading the way towards drafting an ordinance, about a dozen people spoke and most supported the ban. Okay, about a dozen, that's about 12. A whole lot of interest there. Falmouth is, is actually a fairly large-sized place, and it's right near Portland, so pretty populated. So I think 12 is not very many people, actually. All right, that was me again. All right, back to it. The goal of the town council has been to get an ordinance in place by January 1, 2016. The ordinance recommended by REAC, they love their acronym, would take effect in two phases over the course of two years and is similar to proposals being considered in other communities, including Freeport, home of L.L. Bean, that is. That's my side note. South Portland and York. Um, I just have to stop again. Sorry, but you need phases for something like this. If you're going to do it, like, just say you can't use plastic bags anymore, why would you need phases? Just freaking do it. Say, we're not doing it anymore and be done. But, oh, no, we have to have phases, probably because they're going to make money off of it. So let's just see what else they have to say. The first phase would place a five-cent fee on paper and plastic bags at stores with a footprint of 10,000 square feet or more. That would include the town's six largest retailers, Hannaford Supermarket, Shaw's Supermarket, Walmart, Rite Aid, Staples, and Goodwill. And I'm going to say that probably most of you, even if you're not right here in Maine, you've heard of those places. So who's running the show here is what I'd like to know. Five cent fee on those bags. Okay, and, and a footprint of 10,000 square feet or more, so you'd have to know how big your store is and everything. This is all just going along with what I always say is that they have to control every aspect of life and they have to quantify everything so that it can be put in a computer and measured and controlled and feed and everything else. So that fits right in with it because now we know which size, how much, and which stores. Okay. The second year would establish an outright ban on all single-use shopping bags with an optional fee for paper bags. So I would ask the question, if I was there and being a little pain in the butt like I can be, I'd raise my hand and I'd go, how do you know it's only a single use? How do you know that people aren't using it again? How do you know that? I use mine again. All right. REAC has proposed exemptions to these rules, including bags for meat, produce, deli foods, and dry cleaned clothes, bags for leaky food, and bags to prevent damage or contamination from other items. The food assistance community would also be exempt from the fee. Now that sounds like discrimination to me. It really does, because why should somebody be exempt and another person have to pay for it? And also, when I go to the store to buy my food, I buy meat, produce, deli foods, and, and I don't do dry cleaning, but and I have leaky food, so how would they decide which one is going to be for the fee and which one isn't? Because I'd just say, hey, pack that in with my leaky food because I don't have any money today, whatever it is. Okay, Kathy Nichols, our REAC member, said the phase-in would allow stores to use up their current inventory of plastic bags and allow more time for outreach. So I guess what they're saying there is we're worried about the store losing any money 
because um, it isn't really about getting these plastic bags out of the the stream if um, you know out of the trash stream if they're going to allow people to get around it. Um, my screen just did weird stuff. What the heck? It's been doing this lately where it cuts off part of the story. Just a minute, so I can go back and get the whole thing again because it stopped in the middle. They've been having troubles with their uh, site lately doing this. It cuts the story in half. And you look at it, and you can't go to the top anymore. Trying to load it. Just wait a second. All right, Bangor Daily News, you either let me on or you know what's going to happen. I'll just read all the stupidest stuff you have on the front page, and that'll be the end of that. Hello. Okay. So the thing is that um, I'm just going to talk about what I was going to say about the bags anyways. We use our bags over again. We go to the store, we get our food, we come home, we save the bags. We use them to put messy stuff in, like if you have to clean something like your bathroom and you are using paper towels and there could be a lot of germs and stuff on stuff you're cleaning, like in a bathroom or a kitchen. We might throw them in a plastic bag and then throw that away in the trash so that it's double bagged. If somebody had like um, an illness and or they had a bloody nose or you know, you have a baby in the house and they have diapers, you might put them in there to double bag them so that they don't attract animals in the neighborhood or, you know, create some type of biohazard in your trash. We might do some of those things. Well, in the... Okay, now it's back. So in the um, <clears throat> comments, which I'm not going to click on right now because I don't want to reopen it, there was somebody in there that said... <laughs> It said, I buy bags at Hannaford. And it was just ludicrous. It's like they can't see that buying the bag isn't getting the plastic out of the refuse stream. So what exactly is it doing? You're going to pay a fee if you bring your own. I mean, if you use the, if you use the bag there. Or you're going to buy your own bags, and there's still going to be plastic bags for things that are messy. I mean... What are you going to do? If you have to pick up dog poop along the side of the road, what are you going to do? You're going to need to have a plastic bag to put it in. So you're going to go buy the bags? Or could you just reuse something that you already brought food home in? So anyway, I just feel like this is kind of a, you know, kind of a, a nutty idea that people have. They haven't thought through very far. Um, anyway, I hope to see human behavior change, Nichols said. Glenn Brand, director of the main chapter of the Sierra Club, urged the town council to adopt an ordinance saying the bags are harmful to wildlife and require production of non-renewable fossil fuels. He said he and the Sierra Club encourage simple, practical alternatives to the bags. Tim Lynch of Merrill Road said he also supports the proposal. It's fantastic this town is at the forefront of trying to make these changes, Lynch said, adding it is important to reconsider the impacts that bags have on the environment and economy. Craig Baranowski, one of the only dissenting voices, said REAC hasn't done enough outreach to explain why residents shouldn't be able to use the single-use plastic bags. You've removed my ability to have a choice, he said. The next step 
will be for the Ordinance Committee to draft language. Council Vice Chairman Russell Anderson, who chairs the committee, said the next chance for the committee to meet will be in early October. I would like to hear more from the business community, Anderson said, in particular the six large retailers to be affected in the first year. Councilor Karen Farber asked for a tighter deadline, and she felt this has been coming for a while. The bones of an ordinance are here, Farber said, adding she wants a clearer deadline for language. Anderson said the committee will meet as soon as it can and will bring something back to the council shortly thereafter. I don't think anyone wants to drag this out longer, he said. Come on, people. You know, really. All that time and effort on something that is just trivial. So anyway, that is probably coming from the Urban Planning um, Agenda 30. We're going to have to switch to Agenda 30 now. It's probably coming right out of the guidelines for that. All right, um, I'm going to go back over and take a look in the chat, see how things are going. Um, oh my gosh, they're melting. Texas is melting, 106, 105. Um, cloth insulated with aluminum bags for a long time in Texas. Yeah, I understand about bringing things like that. I sometimes use bins and things like that to put my groceries in. But what I'm talking about is the fact that people are saying, they don't want these plastic bags anywhere. And what are you doing when you have to pick up um, dog poop? Or what do you do in your car if your kid is sick? What do you do? Do you just like give them a canvas bag? You're not going to do that. You need something that's got a plastic liner at least. Um, working in schools, we were always thinking about how to keep, you know, contaminants like body fluids or whatever contained because of AIDS and things like that. We had a training every year about it, and you were supposed to double bag everything if you had a child with a bloody nose or anything. How are you going to do that if you've gotten rid of all the plastic bags that people use? And we do reuse them. We use them for yard sales to pack things in. We use them for donating. Like if we're bringing something over to Salvation Army or Goodwill, we put it in bags. So in other words, to have to go and buy bags is not fixing what they're saying is the problem. So that's what I'm getting at. Um, so, okay. And yes, we have the same kind of stuff as the um, cartons to put things into. Yeah. Back when uh, people were working on the waste stream quite a bit back in the old days, you know, back when I said we were calling it ecology instead of being green. Um, some of the places like McDonald's got rid of all their styrofoam and all of their boxes and they were wrapping everything. And uh, a lot of places have gone right back to styrofoam. You know, they may have some styrofoam that breaks down now, but it's still not as waste efficient as a wrapper is. So, you know, I just look always for where the money is flowing because I can see now that that's exactly what it's about. It's only about where the money is going to flow. So look at who's making money. And who isn't? And pretty much you'll have your answer to that. Okay, so um, we have, what else do I have on here? I've saved all kinds of stuff this week, bizarre stuff out of just who knows where. Oh, more control freak stuff. Okay, that one was Thelma's plastic bag ban. I didn't save you the link. I probably should have, but you get the idea anyways. Who's going to go read it? Um. This one is 
sure I don't close out my web chat. This one is, <laughs> this one actually cracked me up because I don't even know what they did, but this is Rockland. Rockland's down on the mid-coast. They call it mid-coast region. Um, it's a, it's a little port type of city, and it's, you know, got commercial fishing and that kind of stuff going on there. Rockland to allow chickens in more residential areas. So, you know, people that have to have control of, of life in all ways, they, they've decided what kind of chickens you can have. And a lot of towns won't allow chickens at all. Some allow chickens, but no roosters. Um, it's, you know, urban planning, I keep saying. It's all the urban planners. They have to have control. So this one, I just I need you to at least take a look at this too, because this just cracks me up that nobody's even fixed this, and it's been two days. You'll know when you open it up what I'm talking about. Um, the city council gave unanimous preliminary approval Monday night to an ordinance that would allow chickens in more residential areas if the owner meets certain conditions and obtains a permit from the city. Yeah, you can't do anything without a permit these days. This is Stephen Betts, and it was uh, posted on September 15th. This is Bangor Daily News staff article. The ordinance also would require a permit for any resident raising chickens, including those who already have hens unless they live in an area zoned for agriculture. Councilor Valley Geiger proposed the ordinance, saying she was contacted by a resident who wants to raise chickens. Chickens will be allowed at nearly all residential areas and except the most restrictive double A zones, which include the Samoset Road and Penn Bay Acres. Um, I should mention Samoset relates to banks, okay, like uh, MBNA or whatever, big banks. Um, and they, they have this big resort down there in Samoset, so they can't be messing around with anything that makes money. Rockland has residential zones that include B, which is the most widespread, followed by the more restrictive A and then double A. Chickens are allowed without any restrictions in B zones. Under the proposed ordinance, however, all owners in any permitted zone would be limited to nine hens and roosters would be prohibited. Chickens also would have to be enclosed in a pen or coop and be restricted to the rear yard of the property. The coops also would need to be located at least 15 feet from the property line and there would be provisions in place for keeping the coop and pen area clean. There's no cost for the permit under the proposal, though the council would be allowed to set a fee. A public hearing and final vote are scheduled for October 14th. The council debated allowing chickens in 2011 when Councilor Elizabeth Dickerson offered a similar proposal. The measure, however, was continually postponed and eventually died after five months of debate. Several other communities across the state have altered zoning restrictions, to allow chickens as part of a larger nationwide movement in organic farming, proponents say the benefits include inexpensive meat and fresh eggs and that chickens help with pest control and provide nutrients for gardens. Portland, South Portland, Camden, and Orono have allowed backyard chickens while other communities such as Bangor have grappled with similar proposals but failed to approve them. Um, Camden is picturesque harbor. Portland and South Portland, we already talked about that. That's like fantasy land, northern Massachusetts, let's control everything. If, if they close the back door too loud, it probably violates an ordinance. And they love it. They think it's the best thing in the world down there. So my uh, screen just went dead again on the Bangor Daily News. So whatever they're doing down there, let's consider that good. 
because I don't think it's going to go back there. A lot of stuff going on lately with uh, network attacks and stuff. You can't even keep keep things on the computer. They've already closed the comments for this particular story. Don't ask me why it's only two days ago, but I think it's because people were um, not being compliant, shall we say. They were making um, negative comments. Um, and uh, I'm trying to see what the what is the most liked on this. I'll see what they said because it came back on the comments. Ryan Robbins says, another upside down photo, more outstanding editing. So if you went and looked, you saw that the photo is upside down. It's been that way for two days and nobody's noticed it. That shows you the quality we have going on for reporting these days. Um, seven likes on that. Cuckoo Kachoo says, I dream of a world where chickens can cross the road without having their motives questioned, without their motives being questioned. Sea Breeze says, pretty sexist, no roosters. Um, Amy, I wonder who that is. You can have chickens in Brooklyn, New York. Shout out to Jean, right? Or rural Maine, as long as they are kept properly. People have a right to grow and raise their own food. Res B is already zoned for farming with approval, so I'd suggest and will that we don't set specific standards for chickens in that zone as it adds complications to the farming use, but it's great to hear we're allowing more people who want them to be able to have them. Also, the best way to raise them is to allow them to graze in a movable coop. So I'd advocate to drop the restrictions. They need to be only kept in the rear of the yard, which is arbitrary since some people have side yards and some rear yards, front streets. Um, I'm assuming they mean the backyard is actually on the street, as that could be restrictive to being able to produce healthy quality eggs. Well, Amy, whoever you are, I'm so glad that you and your friends, we, can make rules for everybody else. So have a nice day, Amy. I wonder if it's our Amy that we talk about. No roosters. Oh, darn. That's wine, wine, wine. Ed Simmons goes, are chickens noisy? Honest question. Grants one says, not as noisy as some Rockland residents. So, and there's some other comments in there too. Um, I actually know some people that raise chickens in another state and they love it. They're raising them in their yard. They get eggs every day and they love it. They built the coop and the whole thing. Very cute. But I don't know, maybe they have to uh, get a permit for that too. Permit to build the coop, permit to have the chickens, so much of a fee for however many chickens you have, sales tax on the eggs you sell to your neighbors, who the heck knows. As long as they have control, they probably don't even want to tell you. So that is, let's see, I can't seem to get back to the page of the complete, oh, I can take the comments thing off and get this, get the link to this one if you're interested in chicken controls. Oh my gosh. All right. So chickens. There you go. So there your food. Can't raise your food. You can't use a plastic bag. They're going to tax the water rate running off your roof. That's what they've been doing in Bangor. Runoff we're getting taxed for. Um, you got to get a license or a permit to do most anything. Um, all the controversy over the marriage license and in Kentucky, marriage licenses, the clerk in Kentucky, and 
it's a civil thing. It's a civil thing. It has nothing to do with the churches. The marriage license is a civil thing. It's a way that people collect money, and really, what do you get for it? You don't get anything. You have to have somebody tell you that you have permission to get married. Marry in your churches and tell the state to go float. That's what I would do, but that's just me. I'm not in charge. I'm not the queen, but if I were, that's what I would say. Just tell them to go float. One of my favorite things to say is go float, and the rest of it is up to you and your church what you do. Because everything's getting out of hand. It's ridiculous how much people want control of everyone else. All right, so we're going to go look in here and see what's going on now. Um, um, yes, Six is talking about old television shows. Some of us remember them. We sat in front of the TV getting our brains scrambled, but at least our parents kicked us outdoors every once in a while. They didn't, like, just let us sit there vegetating. They'd say, hey, get outside. And... <laughs> shut the TV off. We'd get like a certain number of minutes a day of TV, I think, back in the day. I think it was like you could watch TV for an hour and that was it. Then you had to get outside. So we spent a lot of time outdoors roaming and playing and now they call that free-range children and they're not allowed to even be kids anymore. They have to have everything planned their whole life. Their activities, their friends, people have to fill out an application to come over to your house, that kind of stuff. It's crazy. I don't understand it, but the city people love it. They think it's the best thing in the world. How dare you let your kid go to somebody's house because you don't know who they are? Well, here's an idea. Find out. Head on over yourself and meet them. That'll work. That's how we do it. Anyway. Okay, so, um, yeah, taxes per mile on car mileage. Um, James can say it's all fiction, so smile, damn it, smile. Hey, I'm smiling. I'm happy. I'm going to be happy regardless. I've decided that I don't care anymore. I would use the F word if I had to, too, but I'm not going to do it tonight. Let's see. Um, and, okay, guess five. I don't agree with the jungle mayhem thing. I don't like the racial stuff in general. I do see an awful lot of race baiting lately. I see an awful lot of people trying to push everyone into their group stereotypes and go back to the whole ghetto terminology, like, oh, oh my gosh. I mean, I'm thinking of this from back when we were little kids back in the 50s. Some of us are baby boomers. When um, just just the way people talk to each other was very much into um, separating out the groups, and it was to keep people in their place so they would know, hey, we're above you, we're superior to you. Well, I want to say... I've learned an awful lot in the last few years, and uh, some of these people that think they're superior to everyone else, they're about to get a surprise, I think, because there's going to be a big comeuppance of some kind. I haven't quite figured out yet what it's going to be, but I know it's coming because I can feel it. The people that have empathy and sensitivity, they feel it coming, and it's coming. I mean, I think it's coming sooner rather than later. I know I've said that before, but I really, really feel it. It's strong as it's ever been. And most of it is because we're allowing ourselves to be taken over by this kind of um, terminology, the headlines that are in the news, the stories they choose to tell us, the way they lead the whole masses of, of 
the population, like if it's Americans, it would be on the news every night for several nights in a row. They will lead you down a certain viewpoint until you're on the same page with everyone else. Your friends are saying it. Your relatives are saying it. Everywhere you go, you're getting a reminder of it. And right now, we have some of those things going on. We have people who are saying such things as uh, over on Godlike Productions. They're talking about the didn't do nothings all the time. Didn't do nothings. It's just another word for you know what, the N-word. That's what it's for. I didn't do nothing. I didn't do. Well, you can't say that's a bad taboo word because it's a new one. And so they feel very smug and happy that they can say that. And really what it is has nothing to do with the race of the person. It has to do with how ignorant they are. It has to do with how criminal they are. And, you know, that is where it comes down to. It comes down to the person. The person is responsible for their own behavior. And I don't care where they came from. I don't care if they were starving while they were five and six years old and no one took care of them. It doesn't give them the right to do criminal activity. It's not okay to go and harm other people, period. It just isn't. I'm sad that people have had a horrible life. I'm sad that they can't, you know, get out of it. And I think there should be opportunities for people to be able to do that. But as far as saying that everybody of a certain group is bad, I'm just not into that at all. Not all Democrats are bad. Not all Republicans are bad. Not all Catholics are bad. Certain priests, well, you know, <laughs> not all officials are bad. Biddeford, shout out to our Biddeford friends. Um, there's stuff going on down there that shouldn't be. But we have a responsibility for ourselves. We have a responsibility to take care of what we can. And if all you can do is open your mouth and say something, that gives someone else the permission, and it allows them to go, I'm not alone. Somebody else cares. Somebody else has seen it. Thank God they've showed up. And that's what I'm starting to feel lately. I'm starting to see that kind of stuff. People are seeing it. They're hearing it. They're going, hey, that is nothing but BS. I'm not participating in it. And I think we need to do that. We need to get together and say, look, we are all good. Everybody here is good. We're getting along. We're happy, and let's take care of our own issues right here. Let's not worry about what's going on two or three states over. Those people made the bed that they're laying in right now. We didn't do that. Why is that our concern right now? In generalities, maybe, but to get ourselves worked up over it. Oh, my gosh, in Maryland, this thing happened, right? We're not in Maryland. We're in Maine. And you guys that are here, you're from other states. You have your own stuff to deal with. California is burning, for crying out loud. Desert Pete's out there. His state's burning. That's their focus right now. We can't really do much about that out there. And, I, you know, to me, some of the stuff that was going on previous to this fire, the you know, these horrible fires that are just rolling right through whole areas, you know, those things happen because of decisions that people made in some cases. That stuff isn't anything we can do. So... You know, um, it's just, I, I look at the stuff that people are paying attention to in the last few days, and it's just sad to me that that's what they think is the state of the world. You know, the state of the world is about Donald Trump. There was a debate last night. A lot of people didn't see it. A lot of people don't have cable television 
or satellite, and it wasn't on the networks. So when people talk about who do you think won the debate, who do you think is going to be you know, coming out strong now, there's a lot of people that say, I don't even know what happened. Even if I was interested, I couldn't watch it because I don't have cable TV. So, you know, information's not flowing to everyone, is it? Um, one of the things that I saw this morning when I came downstairs and I was looking around, I saw there was a big earthquake in Chile, and I never heard about it. I saw that on Godlike Productions, a conspiracy site. I saw it first there. So, you know, I was wondering how how uh, widespread the reporting was on that. That was a huge earthquake. And a lot of people hadn't even heard about it. They didn't even know it happened. That is a huge earthquake. It should have been on everybody's news feed. No, it wasn't. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that bothers me because we're not getting our information the way we should be. I have to go dig it out, and then I'm still lucky if I find anything. But Okay, um, let's see. What else is going on? Oh, the class warfare is still going on in Maine. We have the people that are the upper mucky mucks who think they have, you know, have to put down the poor people or the homeless people or somebody who's not, you know, earning enough money. And that's getting kind of old, too. Let's see what you guys are talking about in here. If you've added anything to this. All right. So Jameskin is saying no Wi-Fi has hard wiring. Yeah, I've heard about Wi-Fi bothering people. I think it bothers me, too, but I'm not sure. Um, I have a wired telephone line. That's what my computer's on. Shout out to Bluffdale, Utah. They already know anyway. Um, and I have a wireless router. So I use wireless for my tablet. But I got rid of my cell phone. I didn't I wasn't using it. Why carry it around? Make any sense. So Yep, the Chili Quake Valium put up. There were um there were some interesting photos and eyewitness accounts and stuff on um, Daily Mail UK, that newspaper site. But I hardly saw anything in the United States reporting about that. There might be one picture and that's it. It's like they don't want us to know anything. We're supposed to just sit here and think it's you know, all about Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Oh, speaking of Hillary. Okay, so that's going to be my next thing because I had something about Hillary here. My gosh. Is she just like, well, I don't know if anyone here right now is a Hillary fan, but let's just say um, I found out late this afternoon that um, the person that wrote this particular piece came from the Portland Press-Herald before he showed up here at the Bangor Daily News. So I don't know if he's going to be a new, well, it says Bangor Daily News staff, so I guess he's going to be working for them now. His name is Michael Shepard, and um, this was put up this afternoon, so I just saw it a little while ago. Clinton's winning Maine endorsement primary, but can she win votes? And then there's a picture of Hillary looking like she's psycho. Oh, wait, that's most of her pictures. <laughs> I don't usually make fun of people, but look, she's got her hand up, like, and she's got that weird wide-open eye thing going on. 
And next to her is Emily Kane pointing at one of her friends out in the audience, and this was supposedly in 2008. So the picture is old, and it looks like Hillary's very popular because she was in 2008. She was popular in 2008. And she and Obama worked a deal of some kind, and I think they told her, you can be next, and then things happened, like uh, Benghazi and some other things. And it's just not working out the way she wanted. So there's all kinds of stuff in here about Hillary. And um, she's coming tomorrow morning. She's coming to Maine in Portland. And the way they talked about it this week, it sounded like she was going, going to see children because she's going to a school, but it's not until late in the day. So the headline of that story was misleading. Um, so the beginning of this, Hillary Clinton's first visit to Maine as a 2016 presidential candidate will come Friday at a time when the Democrat is racked by scrutiny, but still in a strong position here and nationwide. <laughs> you almost have to sit there with like a pitcher of beer and drink and read these things. I mean, seriously, because it's almost like you can't get this time back. You know what I mean? So I guess I should wait for a second while you guys go get your beer, tea, soda, water, whatever, because it's, it's almost ludicrous to even talk about this stuff anymore because it's just ridiculous. All right, second paragraph. The Democratic frontrunner will speak at an organizing event at Portland's King Middle School, billed by her campaign in a news release as part of the campaign's ongoing effort to build an organization outside of the early primary states. It will follow a fundraising event in Cape Elizabeth. Well, if you lived in Maine, you would know that Cape Elizabeth is like the, <laughs> the enclave of the wealthy southern Maine people. They are like... I don't even know how to describe them. They are very elitist. They don't like anything happening that they don't know about. Everything has got to be very carefully um, choreographed for their day to be perfect, et cetera. And so when you hear Cape Elizabeth in Maine, you almost have to start snickering right away. So she's going to a fundraising event in Cape Elizabeth. Of course. Of course. That's where the money is. So, all right. Clinton has locked up key Democratic endorsements across the country, but she has been dogged by criticism of her email practices as U.S. Secretary of State, and her chief rival for her party's nomination, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, is surging behind his appeal to blue-collar Democrats worried about income inequality. And um, that's interesting that they put surging behind his appeal, because those words together are kind of odd, don't you think? Surging and behind are contradictory to each other. Don't know what the guy was thinking, but that's a clever way to put it in there. Um, the Portland event is part of a Clinton campaign strategy that could change that negative narrative, said Ronald Schmidt, a University of Southern Maine political science professor. It's not just a Maine affair, he said. If it gets covered in the media, it'll be a story about her meeting with rank-and-file voters and not just political elites. You'd have to be here to understand how funny that is because Portland and Cape Elizabeth are not rank and file. But Clinton's campaign is stronger nationally and in Maine than it was in 2008 when she lost a primary to Barack Obama who went on to win the presidency. Now, I went to the caucuses then. I told you I'm a Democrat. 
I'm a registered Democrat, even though I don't vote for Democrats all the time. But I did vote for Obama in 2008. I did vote for him. And I was at the caucuses. And I'll tell you, in our little meeting where we had our group from our neighborhood, um, we had a really strong split for Obama and Clinton. It was like half the room for each. It was very close. That was the, when John Kerry came up to speak, and that was the day that I spoke to him. I went right in and talked to him by myself. One man was standing there with him, probably somebody that was helping him that day or protecting him, I don't know. But he came to speak, and he spoke about Obama, and that's how that um, Bangor ended up mostly voting for Obama for pres- you know, for their candidate for president was because John Kerry came and spoke. And I think there was someone else that day, too. I know Dennis Kucinich used to come to Maine quite a bit, but I don't remember if he was there that day. But that was the day that I talked to John Kerry and actually shamed him so that he hung his head down. It was pretty funny. John Kerry, shout out to John Kerry. If you ever hear me talking about that, it was me, Ginger Cookie, talking to you that day saying, why did you give up? Because that second stolen election really ticked me off. All right. um, Let's see. Maine's elite Democrats are behind her, and while Sanders may threaten her in the state caucuses and Republicans say she's vulnerable, she's still likely to win Maine in a general election. Okay. So that's that's all I need to read to you from that. There's more on here. But here's the funny thing. I opened this up because I thought, okay, what are people having to say? Because everybody I know just goes, are you out of your mind? The woman is a criminal. What the heck are you thinking, right? The day that she announced she was going to run, they were saying this, like, what are you thinking? This is a criminal, and that's who they think they're going to put up to run for office. So here's here's the best comment right now with 12 likes. I am right, wrote, stick a fork in her. She is done. One of the most lying politicians in the last 50 years, anybody else would be in jail. I think so, too, says, anyone that thinks Hillary should be our next president should have their head checked. Ducks and Drake says, this woman is a laughingstock, corrupt to the core, insincere to the core, arrogant, incompetent, and even more damaging, very unlikable. If this was the only person I had running on my ticket, I would be furious. She is done, finally. Blue Sun says back to that person, sounds like you're describing one of the, what was it, 15 dwarves they had over for that sing-along debate yesterday. Fatuous Libby says, any one of them would do a better job than the old crones. The Republicans have many, many qualified people. The Dems can't find two. They are stuck with a fool or a liar. Some choice. I wouldn't be bragging if I were you. Blue Sun says, and the big head in the lead can run the country bankrupt faster than any bushy. He's made a point of noting how well he tanks a business. So what? So they're going back and forth on this. Tom C. down a little ways says, the Bangor Daily News is going to have to do a 180 when they get their journal list instructions from the DNC to switch their support to Joe. Free Maine says, Hillary for prison 2016. Larry S.G. says, I had secret clearance. If I had taken an item home, I'd still be in jail 35 years later. Of course I'm not a wealthy politician. Feel the burn. Go Sanders. Um, So basically, there's not a lot of love in here. People have called her everything, including POS, which we know what that stands for. 
Um, somebody put, um, let's see, this one, this, this exchange I thought was interesting. Constance said, 20 years of Republican non-scandal lies, and the woman is still willing to stand up and smash that glass ceiling. You go, Hillary. The nasty comments see below are every bit as much about the fact that she's a strong woman as the crazy conspiracy theories. Given the track record of our male leaders, we should be thrilled at the chance to elect such a qualified woman. I think so, too, said Constant. You are the problem with America. Hillary is a POS. Fatuous Libby says she's as far from being a qualified woman as one could get, unless you need embassy staff murdered. I am right, says her track record is criminal. She will not get the nomination. Yes, yes, says a lot of Democrats don't care. They'll vote for her anyway. One handsome dude says to Constance, obviously you are from a different planet. Go back to wherever you came from. So <clears throat> doesn't exactly, somebody said I hope the house falls on her, doesn't exactly match with how popular supposedly she is according to this Michael Shepard of the BDN staff. So I'm just saying comments sometimes are interesting because they completely contradict whatever it is the person says in their article. So prove it or I take that as a good sign that people are actually getting it. Because if they weren't, they wouldn't write those comments. They would just say, oh, it's so nice that Hillary Clinton's coming to Maine tomorrow. I hope it gets on the national news. Oh, look, there I am in the front row waving. Hey, I'm on a roll tonight. I need to calm down a little. Okay, so there's that. I'm going to give you the link to that one. So be watching your news tomorrow and maybe you'll get a brief <laughs> brief uh glimpse of Hillary with her school meeting at a it's a middle school so I don't think it's like a huge gym or anything it's probably a little auditorium and she'll have like 25 people there um yeah I had to do some had to do a little bit of uh voices or whatever yeah, and guest number five, yawn. People still believe in the Democrat-Republican BS. Oh, I don't at all. I don't do politics anymore. I used to. But I actually brought that up a lot this week in different places that um, people need to realize that it has nothing really to do with the parties. They're keeping us busy while they do stuff, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute too. All right, so let's see if I got everything else in here that was important. Uh, LePage seeks ban on food stamps for Mainers with $5,000 in assets. That brought a lot of controversy. But this is basically for people who have no children, and if they have assets, basically save the money for the people that are in dire need and let these people, you know, not buy a snowmobile or whatever. But it brought a lot of people out of the woodwork very ticked off, um, unless they're with the governor on the side of let's not waste money. Um, he gets criticized as though he's against the poor and the people that are doing it don't want to recognize the fact that he, what he's doing is he is trying to keep the money for the people that actually need it and not have it handed over to people who are wasting it, you know, playing the system basically. So there's the one on that. That was a national news story. Um, it's bringing people out of the other states to have their comments about him. They hate him. I mean, they hate him. There's no question. Um, so that's on food stamps. Um, <laughs> ate the shack. They're living in an asset. 
Yeah, Valium, it is, but that's exempt. There's things that are exempt. It says, um, for one thing, it's people without children, so it would be just be adults. Um, the assets to be counted, bank account balances, snowmobiles, boats, motorcycles, jet skis, all-terrain vehicles, recreational vehicles, campers, and other valuable assets. Um, and it would not include the value of their home or a household's primary vehicle. And they also have um, appeals process. If there's somebody that, like somebody was saying, what if their boat is how they earn a living? What if they go fishing for a living? Like, well, all they'd have to do is file an appeal, and they'd be able to um, exempt other things if they had to. So, so that's that stuff. Let's see what else. Um, Oh, I save other things here, too, cool things that I like to go back and look at. Saudi King sanctions the Bin Laden firm. That was on Sky News. I saw that uh, story, I think, yesterday or the day before. I think, no, it was yesterday, 9-16. Um, it was about the crane accident that took place uh, on, the, on September 11th, actually, I think, when it happened because everybody was waiting for something to happen, and that's what happened. Um, it killed 107 people and injured almost 400 during a thunderstorm with winds. And uh, where's the, there's a picture of it and stuff. Saudi King sanctions the bin Laden firm. So I just saved it because it, we don't get news here. We don't get news. We have to go looking for it. This was on uh, Sky News. Um, we know who that is. One of our very few media people in the world. They decide what we're going to know. So there's that story. My links are a little mixed up tonight, but what else is new? Okay, I did the chickens. I did the plastic bags. I don't know what this one is. It's a, some website I looked at. Hopefully I didn't just lose you guys. Oh, man, I hope I didn't. A look. Nope, you're still there, I hope. Are you still there? Please let you be there. <clears throat> yeah, heating oil. Yeah, that's right. Does it peak? Well, I've still got my web client open, so let's see. This one was oh, I see what this is. I forgot to write what it was. This I found interesting too. I have no idea how I got to this website. I probably linked from somewhere else, or I saw it on a news feed somewhere. But I, I don't know. Maybe you guys can make something of it. I thought it was interesting. It says via Reuters. It was uh, put on on September 15th, this particular thing that I am open to. And it's on a website called cryptagon.com. Um, this is because of the word in it, because I didn't understand the word. So maybe it means something to you. Nine of the world's biggest banks, including Goldman Sachs and Barclays, have joined forces with New York-based financial tech firm R3 to create a framework for using blockchain technology in the markets, the firm said on Tuesday. So I was probably looking at things that were going on in the markets because we're having a lot of fluctuation and there's a lot of volatility everywhere right now in the world regarding money and banking. So. I'm like, what the heck is a blockchain? That's why I saved this, because what the heck is a blockchain? And when it said nine of the world's biggest banks, obviously this is going to affect people. So does this relate to all the stuff they talk about that's supposed to be happening in September? 
you know, we're having a Pope visit and all this stuff, and people are wondering what's going on. Um, it is the first time banks have come together to work on a shared way in which the technology that underpins Bitcoin, a controversial web-based cryptocurrency, can be used in finance. Over the past year, interest in blockchain technology has grown rapidly. It has already attracted significant investment from many major banks, which reckon it could save them money by making their operations faster, more efficient, and more transparent. So I'm just going to give you that because I have no idea what this website is. New one to me. And um, I'll probably be looking into that more if I can find a way to do it because I do know people that might know something about it. So there's this, and it was about, what did I say, blockchain, um, Bitcoin, and what the heck is uh, blockchain partnership? back here. Put that in. Partnership and Bitcoin. And it relates to technology. So I'm just putting in the keywords so that you can look at it if you want to. Bye, Dottie. Thanks for coming if you don't make it back. Um, <clears throat> I heard somebody talking about Bitcoin this summer but I don't remember how it related. It had something to do with making money move easily, though. And, you know, where they always are talking about, like, um, money laundering and things like that, you kind of wonder, <laughs> they want to protect people from money laundering or they want to be able to do the money laundering? These are the questions. You have to look at both sides, right? <clears throat> so there was that. Um Yep, I told you about Hillary. Um, it's 8.30 already, so I don't think I need to go into this one. But there's something going on um, with a quarry in a neighboring town that probably relates to like these um, urban planning and land use and all that stuff that relates to property rights and all of that. So if you're interested in that and I probably I'm not going to go into it tonight because it would have too much to it. And it's fairly new. They've been arguing a while, but there was a new story about it, the quarry in Eddington. So um, I will save that. If you're interested in it and that's something you, you're doing wherever you are, just email to me and I'll send it, a link to it. It's um, gingercookie87 at yahoo.com. And I do check my email once in a while. Not as often as I used to, but trying to get out of it. Um, George Lees over in, I believe he's in Scotland. I thought he was in Great Britain, but I believe he's in Scotland. We have seen some videos that he's done recently. Um, some of the people that work with Able Danger um, saw him uh, do a show with Field McConnell one day in the last month. He's going through some really difficult times right now. He went through a divorce or is almost finished with it. He's been exposing a lot of the um, corruption in Great Britain and also the just the overall global corruption that relates to um, how they've, you know, kept power over the years, generations, you know. Um, he talks about all kinds of different things like the Pizzo family that supposedly wrote the, the Bible. Um, I believe New Testament or maybe the whole thing. I don't know, but he he says that they're the ones that did it and it was to manipulate humanity. 
that's one of its things. Another one is, um, you know, just the the way that the elites protect themselves and take down everyone else, that kind of stuff. So a lot of it's conspiracy. A lot of it is um, European history. Um, he was a former neuroscientist and decided he wanted to go into whistleblowing and expose all this stuff because he wanted to bring things more back to normal and let people know about what was going on. But he's he's uh, been kind of holed up in his house lately, the last few days, because um, his family or his ex-wife or somebody's trying to, according to him, have him sectioned, which I believe means not ripped into pieces, but um, taken into custody because of his mental state. Um, I've listened to lots of his videos. To me, he strikes me as somebody who is extremely knowledgeable, and if he is on the edge of insanity, it's because he's been driven there by the people around him. Um, according to the things I've heard. So if you're interested in George Lees, Lees, L-E-E-S, um, I saved a video, I think it was the last one he did that I saw was yesterday, um, and he, he just kept looking out the window. I think he's waiting for somebody to come get him, and I don't think he did one today. But um, this is the little blurb that went with the video. I'm just going to read it so that it's saved somewhere. I did save the video as well case it's removed. Things have turned sour since Jedburgh Sheriff Court transferred all my savings to Ms. Patricia Tom's accounts, and they are now desperately keen to section me quickly. Six contact from Psychiatric Services Scotland on the phone this morning. Through all the treason and grand larceny, I keep a level head and just publishing the facts on why every country globally is in sovereign debt. It makes me feel safe, and I want you to all understand it. So... I try to be conciliatory to all of my political representatives and to expose everything they do to our society. I hide nothing, and this morning, 16th September, I got another phone call from Psychiatric Services Scotland, fifth sectioning threat since 2011 when I revealed that Scottish doctors get 40% of their six-figure salary from prescribing too many drugs which dismembers their patients and constituents. I have offered to work with John Lamont several times since he became complicit in all the issues on this page, selling Scotland's freedom and your innocent husband for the illegitimate English crown. And this page, I don't know what that means, but maybe he means his Facebook, I don't know, or his YouTube channel. I don't know what that means, this page. All right, Ms. Patricia Louise Tom, 800,000 pounds net worth, Sheriff Peter Patterson, 28 million pounds, care homes, citizens advice scams, Dr. Fingland, John Lamont, MSP complicity. That would be a member of parliament, I believe. Arms to Iraq, Lothian Road, Rothschild scandals, coercing my savings and the amicable deal. So I try perpetually to get him engaged in constructive activity like Pam Weatherston, the labor man turned conservative who gets a mention in the second video down the page. John replied but declared he could not get involved till the case was over. Same stance he took on the global war crimes, fudged inquests, Rothschild Lothian Road, Auckland scandals, virtual oil and gas empires and vast linkages to the Scottish globalized frauds, and the Aristos monarchs who still run the show. John's constituency office is in Hawick, H-A-W-I-C-K, where Paul Wheelhouse, MSP, list member, was planted as Deputy Justice Minister to Matheson, 
both have signs receipts to all the war crime, profiteering, and financial crimes that all of my reps are now complicit in. So this is a person who is um, doing his best to expose corruption over there. Similar stuff that we have people here in the United States doing. Um, this is why I say we don't know everything that's going on in the world, but there are things going on, and there are things that are important going on. So um, that is George Lee's. And sometimes he goes by Professor George Lees. And he has a YouTube channel, so you can keep up with him if you want to. Um, most of the time lately what I see him doing is he has his computer on, he has his tabs open, he talks about the things he knows about, he connects dots, he talks about the different royal families. Um, I find it fascinating because I never really paid attention to European history. I thought it was too difficult to follow all the monarchs. but he brings about he uh, brings out the some of the families that are running things in the background people you've never heard of before so um, I would say you know say a prayer for whistleblowers all around the world because there are other people doing these things and we need to because who else is going to do it um let's see found a great Facebook posting. Let me see if I if that's all I have left and um, um Dottie was on a podcast this week too, which I listened to, which was excellent. If she gets back I'll ask her if she wants me to post that or you can she probably has it on her um blog. But it was really, really good. She was a guest on a show called Ready, Aim, and Fire, Ready, Aim, Fire, and it was um, regarding the city of Biddeford in Maine, which is just full of problems right now, and Dottie knows a lot about the background because she's been there. She's, you know, lived there. Um, the Goodwill-Hinkley fight is still going on between the governor and the Speaker of the House. Um, the governor's not saying much because there's a court case. But the other side has been, you know, dribbling out a few things here and there. So they're, in my view, they're not really playing fair at the moment because they know the governor can't say much of anything. So I'm leaving that on the back burner for now, but there are things still being said here and there. Um, I happened upon a website. This was just really helpful to me, very helpful to me. Um, it was Mercola who... I'm sure you've seen different things there regarding um, health, um, alternative medicine, and things like that. But this one was about posture training and about how Americans stand. <laughs> I, just this article, like within five or ten minutes of my reading it, I tried some of the um, suggestions and my back which has been hurting me for years now, started to be relieved. And I was like, man, I know a lot of people have bad backs and sore backs, so oh, Dottie left for sure. So I guess I'll wait on that. She may want to share that later. So there you go. There's um, 
this woman, and I think she's been doing this a while, she calls it primal posture, and it's just standing in a different way than you're used to standing, or most Americans, maybe you don't do it. But if you have bad pain in your back, try this. She has like a stretch way to sit in a chair, which I was sort of doing just intuitively because it would take the pressure off my lower back. Um, and there's also uh, the thing for um, when you lay in bed, how you can relieve your back so that your back isn't like killing you the minute you lay down. Um, a lot of people like me, we have pain unless we recline, but you can't sleep in a recliner all the time. You have to lay down in bed occasionally. And it really helped a lot. I mean, it just amazed me how much it helped me. So try it, read it, whatever you want to do. I'm just letting you know about it. I'm not a doctor. I just play one on the Internet. That's what I always say. It's a joke. Play one on the Internet. So, um, go Kale. Go I think that's how she says it. And the little video there, too. I just liked her the minute I saw her. Anybody who will give away free information to somebody, it's fine with me if they earn money doing what they do, but if they'll give you some free information for those people that are suffering that can't afford to pay for it, I consider that a good person. And there's some, there's some information on just this article that will help you, and you can decide from there if you want to go further or not. So yeah, sciatica. You guys, you can't spell sciatica. It's C-I-A, I mean S-C-I-A. There you go. So if you're going to go look it up, you got to spell it right or you're going to find all kinds of weird stuff. Who knows what you might find. You might find Sigadil. Stop your grinning and drop your linen. That's what it stands for. All right. Um, so let's see, what was the other thing? Let me get down to the bottom of my link. Then we'll see if we want to continue on going. Oh, I've been saving comments too because in the comments people give, you know, in the local newspaper, sometimes they'll give you information. And there was a little gossip in there this week, so I saved some of that too. But you don't know these people, so there's no point. Um, okay. Nothing else in here is really that important to you guys. Okay, so I'm going to read you this Facebook posting that I saved off someone's Facebook. I just really liked it. Um, and I don't know, it was probably in my feed. It was probably a friend of a friend, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm not going to even tell you who it is because I don't think it matters. I don't know the person anyway. But it's the thought behind it, okay? He says, it's a man, last post on FaithBang, I grow tired of fighting the programmed and media-driven whores that populate any discussion. I grow tired of the endless, senseless memes that follow the discourse of sound bites to counter any problem. Though there are many forward thinkers here, I enjoy, I am overwhelmed by the utter piles of shit people latch onto. I will keep my account, so I may keep in touch with family, but I am done with the rest of it. I will leave one last post, but after I am done, you're on your own. May God bless you in what we face in the days ahead. Good night. And, the, and then he wrote, and then he copied and pasted a famous thing. Um, 
I know a lot of people feeling this way right now. This is what he put for his last post. Mr. President, it is natural to man to indulge in the illusions of hope. We are, a, we are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and listen to the song of that siren till she transforms us into beasts. Is this the part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty? Are we disposed to be of the number of those who, having eyes, see not, and having ears, hear not the things which so nearly concern their temporal salvation? For my part, whatever anguish of spirit it may cost, I am willing to know the whole truth, to know the worth, and to provide for it. I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that is the lamp of experience. I know of no way of judging of the future but by the past. And judging by the past, I wish to know what there has been in the conduct of the British ministry for the last ten years to justify those hopes with which gentlemen have been pleased to solace themselves and the House. Is it that insidious smile with which our petition has been lately received? Trust it not, sir. It will prove a snare to your feet. Suffer not yourselves to be betrayed with a kiss. Ask yourselves how this gracious reception of our petition comports with these warlike preparations which cover our waters and darken our land. Are fleets and armies necessary to a work of love and reconciliation? Have we shown ourselves so unwilling to be reconciled that force must be called in to win back our love? Let us not deceive ourselves, sir. These are the implements of war and subjugation. The last arguments to which kings resort, I ask, gentlemen, sir, which, what means this martial array if its purpose be not to force us to submission? Can gentlemen assign any other possible motive for it? Has Great Britain any enemy in this quarter of the world to call for all this accumulation of navies and armies? No, sir, she has none. They are meant for us. They can be meant for no other. They are sent over to bind and rivet upon us those chains which the British ministry have been so long forging. And what have we to oppose to them? Shall we try argument? Sir, we have been trying that for the last ten years. Have we anything new to offer upon the subject? Nothing. We have held the subject up in every light of which it's capable, but it has been all in vain. Shall we resort to entreaty and humble supplication? What terms shall we find which have not been already exhausted? Let us not, I beseech you, sir, deceive ourselves. Sir, we have done everything that could be done to avert the storm which is now coming on. We have petitioned, we have remonstrated, we have supplicated, we have prostrated ourselves before the throne and have implored its interposition to arrest the tyrannical hands of the ministry and parliament. Our petitions have been slighted. Our remonstrances have produced additional violence and insult. Our supplications have been disregarded, and we have been spurned with contempt from the foot of the throne. In vain, after these things, may we indulge the fond hope of peace and reconciliation. There is no longer any room for hope. If we wish to be free, if we mean to preserve inviolate those inestimable privileges for which we have been so long contending, if we mean not basely to abandon the noble struggle in which we have been so long engaged and which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our contest shall be obtained, we must fight. I repeat it, sir, we must fight. An appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left us. They tell us, sir, that we're weak, 
unable to cope with so formidable an adversary, but when shall we be stronger? Will it be the next week or the next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed and when a British guard shall be stationed in every house? Shall we gather strength by irresolution and inaction? Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs, or supinely, and hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemies shall have bound us hand and foot? Sir, we are not weak if we make a proper use of those means which the God of nature hath placed in our power. Three millions of people, armed in the holy cause of liberty, and in such a country as that which we possess, are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations, and who will raise up friends to fight our battles for us. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, the brave. Besides, sir, we have no election. If we were base enough to desire it, it is now too late to retire from the contest. There is no retreat but in submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. Their clanking may be heard on the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable, and let it come. I repeat, sir, let it come. It is in vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war is actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, Almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And that was his last posting on Facebook. I think the author of that had any idea that we'd be right there again. <clears throat> I doubt it. They probably thought this is it, the last time. We're not ever going to put up with this again. And then they did. They put up with it again. Well, the um, Pope is going to be coming. By um, this time next week, he will all have already been here. Um, he was supposed to be in the United States the 24th. So that will be um, interesting. We'll see what how things are next week. I still have my suspicions that this may be the announcement of the world government because everything seems to be pointing that way. I wish Jean was here tonight because Jean would talk about the Council of State Governments. Remember we talked about those before and how everything was laid out as though it was a plan for governing. It, it had everything on it. He had been studying on it quite a bit, too, and we talked about it. All the guidelines for everything, how to run everything, written out almost like a constitution would be written out, like rules and bylaws are written out. Um, and the fact that that organization started as um, like an association for best practices and that kind of thing, it's the kind of thing that runs like the municipal associations and all of these associations that have all come under like one, one umbrella at this point. Um, Honestly, at this point, I would not be surprised at all if that's what happens. If it's like 
your your blessed United States of America is just a flavor. It's like a you know a neighborhood. And now you're going to do it this way. All of the stuff that relates to the UN, the Agenda 30, all these things that they tell us we're going to be doing, it's just assumed that it's done already. It's They don't even talk about it as though there's any controversy whatsoever. It's just, this is what you'll be doing. This is the wave of the future. This is what's going to happen. Resistance is futile, etc. So I don't have any idea what will happen if that's the case. I mean, I know there's people that are probably sitting in their homes right now waiting because it's like they won't go out and do anything overtly. I don't think most people would do that. But it won't be good when people come to the door, let's put it that way, because they just, they're not going to comply to those things. They're going to say no to it. And you know, I think people need to know before anything happens, how would they re- how would they react to a certain scenario? How would they feel about being told you can't own a home anymore because no one can own private property? The government's going to take your home because these people need it. You may not live in a house that has three bedrooms because there's only one of you living there. How are you going to feel? You need to think about these things because I have a feeling it's coming sooner rather than later. So you have to have an idea of what you will say or do. Are you going to say, okay, here, here's the key, good riddance? (laughs) I'll tell you, I've had some days like that. Like, who wants to fight this crap anymore? Life's too short. You know, we've put up a big fight. We've tried to, you know, hold things together and make sure that everybody's fine. But, you know, I have talked about this before, and my view is that the responsibility we have is not of a broad scope to the entire world. I mean, in general, yes, but we can't really control what's going on somewhere else. All we can do is take care of who's here. In my view, the best, strongest community is a smaller community, not a huge one. So having, like, a global structure where a few people at the top tell everyone else what to do is not very strong. It's actually a very weak construction. Um, The strongest thing that I could ever see would be small groups of people working with each other to solve problems or meet needs or or that kind of thing and then have those groups meet together like the old model, like the way everything was. You know, for example, 50 states meeting to come to, you know, agreements on what would benefit all the 50 states individually, not one umbrella telling the 50 states what to do, which is what we've ended up with. Didn't work, obviously. We're in this mess now. So I don't know what's going to happen this week. I would say, you know, keep your eyes peeled like I always do. Watch things. Listen to what the people are saying. Listen to what's going on around you and don't be, you know, don't be distracted by this stuff they put on television. You know, half of the stuff they show you isn't even current. It's like an old file photo of a flood or something. They don't tell you about anything that's really important. They don't go where the story is anymore because they can fool you using technology and make it look like they were standing right there when they weren't. That's been, that stuff's been around a long time and they've perfected it. 
So, yeah, um, so I guess stock up on your food like we did, what, seven years ago? I'm thinking that was around when we were all, like, preparing. We bought all this food and put it aside, and then it all got stale because it was sitting there. So, you know, James can want to get a boat. Um, when you have a lot of friends in different industries and different uh, um, places, and you watch what they're doing and what they're saying, sometimes you can get a better idea of what's going on than if you just know people in your own town. So if you have people out far flung from you, you know, make some contact with those people and see how they are. Just call up and ask, you know, how are things going down there in Georgia or whatever. Um, but that's my that's my spiel anyways. I don't know what else to say about it. I'm reading constantly. I am researching constantly. Um, I do have some people in various parts of the country, so I watch what they're finding interesting or what's happening where they are and try not to let the, you know, latest violent act distract me because I don't even know if half of those are true either. You know, they want to tell you the stories. They want to tell you all those awful things so they can get you in a certain mindset, and it's mostly fear. So you'll say, oh, do whatever you have to do to make me safe. You're less safe. You're not more safe. You know, these people have an agenda to protect, and they have their profit streams to protect. So you're not safe if you're sitting there quietly letting them do whatever they want. You're not safe. You need to make sure that you... <laughs> do what you have to do to protect yourself. And you have to talk to people about it so that they will talk about it. The more that you expose these things, the, the better it is because it's less effective for them. I think we've already thwarted some of their stuff that they planned. I think they're behind schedule because there's people that noticed and started talking about it. So that's how I feel about it. Um, and I think that is probably all I have. I can't think of anything else. Probably I will later. I'll go, oh, I forgot that. Um, Jack is still doing his shows on Saturday mornings. Sometimes he tapes them early, but he did a good one on Saturday. can't remember what it was now. But go back and look at Aroostook Watchman every now and then and catch up with him. His shows are usually about an hour long, and he had somebody on as a guest Saturday. It was pretty good. Good to have somebody talk about, um, you know, other people working on different liberty issues or whatever in other parts of the state of the country, because you hear how they are seeing the problems and what they're doing to try to correct some of the bad paths that we've all been on. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I have anything else. But Desert Pete, are you going to call in tonight and catch us up with the West Coast news? See what's happening out there. Some people in the chat are talking about how they're going to make their uh, make their plans, buying a boat or a plane with pontoons. Um. We have, yeah, we have people that 
don't want to talk about certain things, but they're all about other things, and I just don't get it. I've seen people come right out and say they don't want to talk about political stuff, and then they do. So it's only they don't want to talk about it if it doesn't agree with them. Otherwise, they're all great to talk about it. So <clears throat> I have friend, I have uh, relatives down in Texas, guess six. It's where my brother's family ended up. So I don't know any of them except through Facebook. I get to see them there and interact a little bit. But I'm going to get to Texas. I will get down there. You wait. Okay, cool. What do you think that is? Good luck that you got in here so easy. Yeah, this is rare. I think it was uh, four tries <laughs> last week. Yeah, maybe they're oh, lightening oh. up on the Internet. Except that I'm suddenly hearing an echo of my own voice in, in the line. So, well, anyway. I hear a little bit of little noise, but not bad. It's probably me. We'll try to endure it uh, until I start oh, <laughs> until I start screaming at myself. <laughs> uh, oh, what's on my list for the week? Oh, uh, yeah, I put a joke in the chat earlier that the. Uh, uh, I think the Pope sat down with Satan and decided that the uh, the tribulation would be confined to only one geographic area, Trona, California. Uh, uh, so, so the they're rest saying of the world in the chat, Desert Pete, they're saying that you're echoing or something. So do you have uh, your speakers on by any chance? Uh, well, they automatically mute. I'll turn the – they're not running. They're saying I'll, mute uh, the computer, so they're hearing feedback probably through your mic. Well, I'm uh, turning it down, and now I'm not hearing an echo. I don't know how that how was, was happening. I don't. Oh, Jameskin says it's okay now. See, I wouldn't hear it because I'm on a telephone, so I'm hearing you over the phone, not over the computer. Yeah. Okay. So they said it's well, good now. So go ahead. Uh. Anyway, um, that the free car that I was celebrating about last week, uh, I tried to get a smog jack here in California, and it failed by one. Part per million. So did you drive out, peel out, and leave smoke behind? It it does not leave a trail of smoke. There's probably Darn a it. puff of blue when if it sits overnight and then you first start in the morning, there might be a puff of blue when it starts, but other than that. Uh it's using yeah. a quart of oil every five hundred miles. Which is not Nancy good. Pelosi? Uh, I would call up Nancy Pelosi. And personally tell her what I think. Uh, I don't think I'm on speaking terms with her, so I don't have her phone number. <laughs> so what are you going to do? Are you allowed to drive it or not? Or do you have well, to find, the, or how do they do that? The the nice mechanic who gave it to me, who unfortunately lives two or 3,000 miles away from me, is giving me some advice over the phone. He says for a, a one part per million change, he suggests that I simply... Uh, get a brand new oil change and change all the plugs and take it and right after I put the last plug in, drive it directly to the to the smog test and see what happens then. That that should change something by a few parts per million. So that's the theory. But an oil change is fifty bucks, and the set of plugs is another twenty-five, and then the time and effort to do it is. is another when they do those tests, do you get to actually see it? Because I'm wondering if they lie about them because the car is old. Well, it's all computerized state-certified equipment, and they print out the numbers for you. 
So oh. you're standing right there when they do it? You could. He didn't tell me I had to sit in the office. No, I was just saying if they but, wanted to lie, could they lie and get away yeah. with it? Well, the the place I went this time, and now my mechanic friend was raising, raising the same question. He said, one part per million sounds like sabotage. And I said, well, yeah, ridiculous. the only difference, the, the only thing I have to say in defense is that this particular mechanic I went to this time came recommended by two other locals in town saying that he's the only honest smog check guy in all of Ridgecrest. Okay, uh, and w- one of the other mechanics that I thought was honest, I have to admit, he screwed something up and destroyed a car on me once. I naively came back with another car for him to work on, and things sort of worked from that point on. I don't know how many thousands of dollars of business I gave him maintaining prior cars. Uh, but my neighbor tells me that when he went to that specific mechanic, to get a smog check himself, uh, he's sitting in the waiting room, and they come back and say, oh, it needs uh, several hundred dollars or a thousand dollars of the repairs. And he said, well, I don't have it on me, so give me the car back. And when he got home, he looked under the hood himself, and he saw that they had monkeyed with the distributor cap. Well, here in Maine, they make you get car inspections, and when you take it for a car inspection, they make you go do all these things to the car, so it always costs a lot of money. And, I mean, people complain about that because it's like, how would you know whether or not they're lying to you? Yeah, but but on, on, on my neighbor's situation, he put the distributor cat back in proper alignment and took it back and said, here, retest it. And amazing, yeah. this time it passed. Yeah. So they had sabotaged his car to make it fail. Uh but he said, no, the, this one particular place, which is the the one that I went to, and I met somebody else here in Trona who said the same thing, that they had had horrible experiences with every other mechanic shop in, in, in all of Ridgecrest. So I'm I'm going to broad brush the whole town there, even the dealers. Shucks, I, I took a Ford into a Ford dealer. I mean, that's certified by the manufacturer, right? Yeah, driving it home, the thing sure rode kind of stiff, the tire pressure was overinflated to 55 on each tire. It was supposed to be 32. They didn't even use calibrated tire pressure gauges. And that's a Ford dealer. So anyway, I'm dealing with a town full of morons there. Morons are thieves, one or the other. And I, and I finally found one mechanic recommended by more than one person here in my hometown as being the only honest one there. So I go there, and it fails by one part per million. So uh, I've checked with a mechanic over in uh, another recommended mechanic over in Nevada, and I found out the Nevada standards are uh, 100 parts per million higher, which means if I want to make it a Nevada car and just register it with my business over there, uh, I could get it certified immediately. It's just a matter of driving across state line and, and doing it there. But now I'm well, that would be cheaper. Uh, Yes and no. Uh, my business is literally within the city limits of Las Vegas, meaning it would then be considered by the insurance companies as a big city car. Oh. But out here in the desert... So you're going to get you no matter what. <laughs> yeah, well, out here in the desert, the insurance companies realize 
yeah, you may have a bunch of crazy drunks in your town, but they never run into each other like they do down in the city. So uh, the insurance out here in the middle of the desert is minuscule compared to... Good grief, I was talking to a friend of mine down in Los Angeles, San Fernando Valley. He's paying five times what we are, uh, what we did when we had running vehicles uh, for his insurance. So it's it's insane, the insurance in... Uh, car insurance in, in Los Angeles and I'm I don't know if if Vegas is any better than Los Angeles I'm afraid it might be just as bad so that's the other factor I'm trying to weigh out is yeah. which is going to cost me the most in the long run uh, I've got another two or three weeks to think it over I can have an out-of-state vehicle parked in my driveway for at least a month here without it becoming an issue so so right now I'm driving the only Alaska car in the Mojave Desert. <laughs> <laughs> that must be funny. I hope you got a picture of that. Uh, yeah, I snapped a few pictures. And uh, on, <laughs> on that, that trip I took uh, last week when, when I just got the car and had to handle that emergency trip I mentioned down in L.A., yeah. coming back that night uh, I get out into the desert portion where there's just like nobody on the road Somebody came up behind me and tailgated me at 70 miles an hour for about 10 miles. And I finally just intentionally slowed down to 50 and made him pass. Uh, And all I could guess was, well, he was fascinated seeing Alaskan license plates in the middle of the Mojave Desert. (laughs) It's probably what freaked him out. Yeah, he was probably reading it. Yeah, so... uh, Anyhow, uh, and the other tribulation that's hitting us is we, sometime last week, we sprung a water leak in the house, and now we got to shut it off outside and then just turn it on. We need to flush the toilets and take care of other essentials and then turn it back off because the, the leak is somewhere in the house, and you could just hear the water, large amounts of water moving past the, the water inlet outside, but... Looking under the the peak holes underneath the house, we can't really see water building up anywhere. So it's one of those hidden leaks that I just know it's going to be expensive to to even find it, let alone fix it. So. Well, I anyway. don't know. I mean, most of the time you can isolate it unless your whole house is plumbed with one shutoff, which isn't usually how it is. Usually every single thing has a shutoff. So your shower would have a shut-off, your toilet would have a shut-off. You should be able to find it that way, I would think. Well, maybe the plumbing was yeah. installed back in the 30s, so that was well, what? Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're lost years ago. from having it run. You have to shut it off, obviously. But if you have it running, um, obviously you're having a big loss from that, and you spend more money on that than having it fixed. Yeah, uh, Too bad we weren't around. We we have people in Maine that can fix plumbing, and they make some really cool stuff now too. Probably some of the people in chat know what I'm talking about. It's the stuff that you don't even have to do like sweating pipes anymore. You don't have to um, do the old tr- traditional metal pipes. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like hose almost, and it it clamps itself so it cannot leak. You could probably do it yourself. Because you've done projects before, I bet I could do it if I learned it. Well, because it's supposedly real easy, and I forget the name of it. Don't forget, in the Midwest, we had basements, and you could yeah, we have simply, basements here. Yeah, you walk downstairs, and you could see the plumbing to work on. Out here, it's a crawl space, 
and that yeah, crawl space is Snake. nothing you nothing you want to crawl into. No. Uh, not with all the brown reckless I've seen around here, and rattlesnakes usually make themselves evident somehow or another. You'll occasionally hear the rattle, or or you'll smell some of the food they bring home. So I, I'm not sure. We're not likely to have rattlesnakes under the house, but we are likely to have a swarm of uh, a brown recluse under there, and those are things you just don't want to get a bite from. Well, what do people do when they have to work on their plumbing? I don't know. You you pay a pro, and I guess he finds a small guy to go down there first with a broom and sweep out all the cobwebs and get get the poisonous junk out of the way and then and then works on it but man it's such a confined area maybe you take like a fire extinguisher see i'm gonna brainstorm (laughs) and you just like lay it under there and just blast it with with um, fire extinguisher stuff well and then that drives off the snakes what is the name of that plumbing with the clamping stuff what do you call that stuff that people use clamps you were telling me about it Gorilla something? I don't know. I but don't. anyway, it's this stuff that you can just apparently put together, and it just it it seals itself, it, it connects itself, and you don't have to do like soldering or that other adhesive stuff. Yeah. And it's awesome. People that have used it just love it because it it can't leak. We have a lot of plumbing issues in Maine anyway because our pipes freeze in the wintertime and people get burst pipes and it's a pain in the neck, it wrecks stuff. And yeah, Vela so. mentioned the, the rattlesnake problem. I think I mentioned in prior shows, I'll, I'll just repeat it. There's uh, uh, When you go through grade school, they say, we only have four types of poisonous snakes in the United States, the, uh, the cottonmouth water moccasin, the uh, copperhead, uh, the Gia monster and the rattlesnake, and those are the only four types. And uh, blah blah blah. Uh, well, they fail to mention that rattlesnakes here in the Southwest actually have three subspecies of rattlesnakes. You got the Diamondback, is the one most people know about, but you also have the Mojave Green, and you have the Sidewinder. Now, I've seen both Diamondbacks, which really get long, like up to nine feet. Uh, and I've seen Mojave Green, which are just as the name implies, they're an extremely green-colored snake, although there is kind of a diamond formation on their back. And the Sidewinder, I have only seen the leftover tracks of it. Thank God I've never encountered one directly, because people who have tell me the characteristic of a Sidewinder is it is a rattlesnake, but it bites first and rattles second. Yikes. That's not good. So you don't hear them coming like the other two do. Uh, the other two, when they get nervous, they'll they'll rattle. But uh, the sidewinder is a sneaky one, and that's nothing you want to get close to. Uh, I've only had one snake appear into the house. I don't think it was a rattlesnake uh, in the, what, 12 years or so I've been here. But uh, sidewinders are not uh, not anything I want to want to deal with in any way, shape, or form. So uh, right now, just identifying where is that leak at, because the the sound you hear at the water shutoff out of the outside edge of the house, that's a considerable amount of water. That's not just a, a drip, 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 leaky toilet yeah. or something. 
that's definite water flowing. Something might have come apart too. Might have just let I, go, and all it needs to be is resealed. It's I wish it didn't break because you guys aren't where it freezes, so why would it crack? Well, you know what because, I mean? like I say, the house was plumbed in the 30s, so it's 80-year-old plumbing, and we have very salty soil. So if that was original iron plumbing, the salt... Oh, yeah, they rot. Uh, yeah. So it's one crisis after another. I uh, know. Somebody so, said you uh, have a stalker. They think you have a stalker. Yeah, so so getting back to... Uh, uh, Let's see, I want to talk about Cash first of the Pope. Uh, Cash is short. Uh, his uh, live stream account has been down now for a week, and his website is not saying anything. I got onto the forum and posted a question on there, and nobody has responded. Uh, neither Cash nor any anybody on his management crew has, has replied to my question of why is the live stream account down. Because it was going back a couple of weeks, there was a certain character who I've met face to face once, and he seemed normal then, but he came out later and admitted to being a pedophile, and so he's just kind of lost all credibility in the free energy world. And Cash elaborated on it because that guy was reporting pretty heavily on Cash on on his website, and Cash came out with a really a 45 minute tirade on how he never wants to be affiliated with that person in any way, shape, or form, and then to stop reporting on him because uh, he can't, he doesn't believe anything that he says about him. Uh, anyway, uh, oh well, that person took it as slander and complained to to Livestream, and Livestream shut off Kesh's entire web, Livestream web page account, which was uncalled for. So the the result the next week is Kesh went back to that one video that had the 45-minute tirade on it, and it snipped the tirade off and reposted the technical part of it, and the live stream account came back to life. So I was enjoying kind of catching up on a lot of the archive things, and then suddenly last Friday it disappeared again. And it's been down now for, well, tomorrow would be a week. Do you think that that person was sent in as a plant, or do you think that was a legitimate? I I don't know. There's not a lot of that kind of stuff where people suddenly realize that someone's not who they appear to be. I, I tell you, that person has me completely perplexed. I uh, I used to have some respect for him. Like I say, I've met him face to face once. He didn't seem any weirder than Desert Pete. Uh, when I met him face to face, and I mean, we all have our own idiosyncrasies and things, but uh, but when when he published his own admission of, of pedophilia and he tried to brush broad brush it as oh this is a sex crazed society, well yeah it is. Uh, human beings have been wanting to procreate since uh, Adam and Eve, uh, so if you want to blame it on that, that's one thing. But uh, uh, generally speaking. Uh, Saying adults don't have any cravings for uh, uh, for little kids, so let's get our uh, our uh, priorities organized here. Uh, so I I don't know what to say about the guy. Uh, I I just kind of want to brush my hands of it and move on. Um, uh, Pete, you have a too few too many few too many what <laughs> odd friends I guess. 
so anyway, so Kesha's site is kind of handicapped. Uh, I will say all his uh, workshop videos are still up on YouTube, amazingly. I mean, YouTube is being run by Google. They're, they're more than willing to destroy somebody's YouTube account at the drop of a hat if you just hint that the, the wind blew wrong on, on something. Uh, so I think it's too late for them to get rid of everybody at this point because now it's too big. So it would be noticeable if they started shutting off everyone's account. <laughs> yeah. they got to leave so, some things up. So if anyone is interested in what Kesh has, has pride, tried to preach or teach, whatever term you want to use, uh, all his past workshop videos are still up on YouTube, and there's many hours worth worth waiting for you, and occasionally some good things are there. And I still feel his technology has some viability to it. I still cannot endorse anything because I haven't had the time or materials to to even try making some of his experiments he talks about. Yeah. Uh I, I will just go back to that three-letter agency individual that I was initially going to get in touch with Field to help on able danger research, but then I realized, no, those are two different spectrums of the world, and I don't think they need to meet each other. Um, There's I, some people that seem to have disappeared from, from able danger. It's like I don't know what happened that I missed out on why they left, but there were people that used to come all the time that aren't there anymore. Is Taco Man still there? He hasn't been around, I don't think. I haven't seen him, his postings for a while. You're you're right, quite a few. I mean, the only reason I disappear is I keep saying he, he comes out in the middle of the day. I'm trying to go out and earn some money somewhere. I can't. Yeah. I I just cannot tune in right in the middle of a work day. Three times I'm a week. I'm in and out usually too. When I'm there, yeah. I I try to stay away, but I can't because I like to play, and it's like people that actually get yeah. it. So, but well, you, um, you and I are working adults still. We're we're not yeah, we're kicking back on 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 an airline pilot's pension or or uh, <laughs> or whatever David is living on. Uh, I worry about David. He's like he's really to me. He's stressed for all the work he does. It's too bad he's not well, just writing it. People could read it. He could write an essay and they could just read it. Because he tries to put it across and people aren't getting it. If he hasn't written it down, he sure needs to. Uh, I mean, all those shows there, he has a lot of stuff there, but I connect dots and I don't think he ever notices anything I write, but I connect dots from what he says. Sometimes it's like, holy cow, I'll come right across the room because I'll hear something. Oh, and I'll there's put something in, and no one pays any attention. They don't even see it. There's this noose name popping up on the scene. I hadn't heard of her before. Rebecca Roth, I think it is. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard it. She did a one or two hour interview on uh, on rents, and I thought, oh, she came to several conclusions identical to Able Danger. Maybe she was listening to Able Danger. So anyway, I, I passed it on to uh, to Field. And Field's reply was that several uh, Able Danger agents had recommended her to him, but that she continues to avoid him for some unknown reason. Uh-huh. And that he uh, Field went on to say a few 
other flight attendants have given bad reports to Field about Rebecca Roth herself. So whether she's on an ego trip, I, I don't know. I just know that a few of her her summer results landed in uh, like the the changing of the planes and and the destruction of the originals. Uh, th- that was similar to Able Danger. Uh, but rather than where Able Danger comes up to summarizing it with one word, Circo, uh, she comes up with summarizing it on one word, Dick Cheney, and blames it on Halliburton rather than Circo. Well, that's that's a left turn in, in midstream there. Uh, well, I'll definitely go and look that up. I see Jeff Rents and Rebecca Roth, 9-11, Methodical Deception, two days ago, uploaded by Jeff Rents on YouTube. Yeah. So um, that's pretty recent. Yes, um, I think that was the show I, I heard when he did it live. So, yeah, that, that's worth listening to because she brings up uh, a few other points I've never heard Abel Danger hit. She somehow or another saw the FBI report and managed to see who was supposedly seated in which seat on each airplane. Yeah. And so she's claiming that one of the people sitting on a specific seat was a known Mossad assassin and that the whole plane takeover was a Mossad event. Well, that would trace back to London City Control. So that would fit the able danger scenario. But uh, it, it's where instead of of summarizing it toward uh, Clinton, Rubin, uh, and then on to uh, Circo, she summarizes it over toward Halliburton and Dick Cheney. So, I, well, somebody is this missing is some why details there. I think people need to really. Oh, it says clip from September eighth. Clip from September eighth. It says, but he posted it on the fifteenth. Um, and this is just a the one I just put on here. Was yeah. um, let's see, uh, 15 minutes long, fifteen thirty-eight. So it's a piece of what you probably heard. Yeah, uh, James, can I I wholeheartedly agree with you. They're all guilty, and it's uh, it's it, it's too simplified to just point your finger at one of them. Uh, they're all into that mess, and it's, it's well. The thing the thing with that is the minute I thought when you said Roth, I went Rothschild. The minute you said Roth, and I was thinking, why did I do that? <laughs> well, because George Lees, listening to George Lees, he he is talking about how the Rothschilds are in everything, and they have you know different names and everything, but it's still the same family. And um, so I wonder if she's just not out there to tell partial truth and not the entire truth, which is what they do when they, you know... I don't know. ...spin, uh, the, uh, spin the public opinion, so I definitely will listen to that. I'll watch it. I I just know the, rep, the highly reputable engineers and other technicians that I worked with at Lockheed 
prior to 1990, and then comes along 1995, and Dick Cheney sticks his wife on the board of directors, and the whole company fell apart. And top secret blueprints started missing. A whole bunch of other ugly things happen, and then they suddenly have the shotgun wedding merger with uh, Martin Marietta, which no doubt padded the pockets of uh, the Cheney family quite well when that happened. Um, then after that, the the final price of the pl- the the last plane that I worked on was the F twenty two, and that prototype flew pretty much flawlessly for about ten years. But then after it's under Martin Marietta control, they did some cost cutting stuff in manufacturing and suddenly pilots started asphyxiating in in mid-flight. And I'm thinking that has to be a, a production quality control issue because how come that plane was nice and safe for 10 years and then suddenly the pilots can't breathe? What happened? And it was a, it was a safe, most advanced fighter plane possible when, uh, when it came out of... Uh, of Desert Pete's fingerprints being on parts. Uh, but when uh, 10 years later, after it's suddenly under uh, whatever Lynn Cheney changed in the company to cut corners and, and boost profits in other areas, uh, after that, pilots start dying. Uh, something changed there. I don't know what it was. I, I It's been many years since I cast a shadow on the facility there. But... Uh, but things started falling apart, and I, I blame her for uh, a lot of it. Uh, and quite honestly, I didn't know about that board of director thing until I learned about it on Able Danger. And then I double-checked the company's website, and yeah, that was a corporate board member change insertion, parachute-in position back in 1995. Oh, just watching people career path, just pick anyone, and you can see those things. I mean, I do that every once in a while because I'll remember a name or where they were, and I'll go, huh, that's weird because I associate this other thing with it, so I start Google searching these terms together, and all of a sudden up pops all this stuff. Like when when, um, George, when um, George, right, when David Hawkins was speaking about George Mitchell, and all of a sudden, it was like click, click, click. What do I know about George Mitchell? George Mitchell was Secretary of State, wasn't he? I don't think he was ever Secretary of Defense. But he went over to the Middle East, and he talked to both sides. He was like a peacemaker. He went to Ireland. I think he might have been an ambassador to Ireland. He was at the uh, Sandusky. Sorry, I'm like chewing on candy. Sandusky, that whole thing at Penn, Penn State, he was up there working on that. Um, he was baseball commissioner. I don't know if he still has that. He had things to do with the NFL, I believe. He's done all kinds of stuff. George Mitchell, I mean, he was a he was a lawyer and a judge in Maine before he went off to do all these things. Mm. There's a there's a program where they send gifted students, like a a scholar, like I believe it's a few a year, to Ireland to study. Um, There's just different things he's done. 
these are just things that I've collected over my time living in Maine, knowing about George Mitchell. He's highly respected in Maine, highly. I mean, people would just, if you said George Mitchell wants to be president, they'd say make him president. That's how much they like him and respect him. He's achieved all these things. Well, when David Hawkins started talking about him, I was like, holy cow, that's George Mitchell, right? So I'm starting to click, click, click. I'm thinking of the stuff as he's saying it. Like, what else relates to this? What else relates to this? We've got um, Barclay's guy there, whatever his name was, related to Colby College. There's a building at Colby College called the Diamond Building. Um, there's been controversy with them bringing people over to Maine to speak to, like, the graduation of that college, and one of them was Tony Blair. People went down there and protested and said, why would you bring a war criminal to speak at commencement? You know, that kind of thing. That was a few years ago. I think I talked about it on here. Um, George Mitchell is related to the former governor, Baldacci. I talked about that the night I was talking about supposed royal families of Maine because they were they just mentioned that Mitchell and Baldacci were related. So that was like something that I didn't know. I mean, they both were well-known in Maine, but Re I didn't know they were related. I think they're cousins. Refresh my memory. Which presidential administration was he in? Um, involved with? Several, I believe. But I'm thinking back to probably Carter. Because I sure but remember he hearing come his name to the a lot. national stage. Oh, he's prominent. I mean, if you looked yeah. him up, if you looked him up, um, like on, let's see, like just, just go get the wiki because it just blew my mind. I was sitting there and I was like, trying to, you know, like David, oh my God, George Mitchell, right? And um, I had a relative who went to Ireland for one of their years of school because of that scholarship. That's how come I knew about it. Because otherwise it would have gone in one ear and out the other. Oh, that's nice. He pays for a scholarship, right? But I actually had a relative who went with one of these um, Mitchell scholars, they call them. So, let's see, Wikipedia. And when I found out he was related to the former governor, I was just stunned because I don't think it was ever really mentioned much. And his, his one side of his family is Lebanese. Um, okay. Well. So George the... J. Mitchell on the Wikipedia. Let's see. Born August twentieth, nineteen thirty-three, is an American lawyer, businessman, and politician. A Democrat, Mitchell served as a United States senator from Maine from nineteen eighty to ninety-five, and as a Senate Majority Leader from eighty-nine to ninety-five. So he was the Senate Majority Leader. You would have heard of him then. Since retiring from the Senate, Mitchell has taken up a variety of positions in politics and business. He has taken a leading role in negotiations for peace in Northern Ireland and the Middle East, being specifically appointed United States Special Envoy for Northern Ireland 1995 to 2001 by President Clinton, and as United States Special Envoy for Middle East Peace 2009-2011 by President Obama. He was a primary architect of the 1996 Mitchell Principles and the 1998 Good Friday Agreement in Northern Ireland and was the main investigator in two Mitchell reports, one on the Arab-Israeli conflict, 2001, and one on the use of performance-enhancing drugs in baseball, 2007. Mitchell served as chairman of the Walt Disney Company from March 2004 until January 2007 and later as chairman of the international law law firm DLA Piper. That's probably where uh, 
David was connecting, was the L.A. Piper. He was the Chancellor of Queen's University in Belfast, Northern Ireland from 1999 to 2009. Mitchell currently serves as a co-chair of the Housing Commission at the Bipartisan Policy Center. He is a former member of the Steering Committee of the Bilderberg Group. So... Um, Special envoy for Middle East peace. There's a whole bunch of stuff down the right-hand side that tells about his you know, things he's he's done. Um, alma mater, Bowdoin College, which is in Maine, and Georgetown University. So David would have talked about Georgetown as well. Um, he was in the army. Years of service: 54 to 56. First lieutenant. Unit Counterintelligence Corps. And um, before that, let's see, the earliest that's listed on here for um, a government-type job was under Jimmy Carter, appointed as United States District Court of the District of Maine. So he was a, he was a judge. And married from 61 to 87 to his first wife, and then from 94 to the present to his second wife. There's all kinds of stuff in here. And that's just a very, you know, very small outline because he, I mean, he was, uh, says like he was executive assistant to Senator Edmund Muskie, who was very well known. He ran for president. Yeah. Um, well, just discovering how, how people we thought we knew were involved in other stuff just proves that David Hawkins knows better search terms than we do. <laughs> <laughs> on how to I find mean, this before we know about him. <laughs> he, he, you know, here. okay, here's the other thing. After the Senate, okay, they get their positions, they get their perks and all that, and then they leave their office, right? After the Senate, it says, in the business world, Mitchell has served as director of the Walt Disney Company, Federal Express Corporation, Xerox Corporation, Unilever, Staples Incorporated, Starwood Hotels and Resorts, and the Boston Red Sox baseball team. I mean, there's other stuff about, you know, law firms and stuff, but who even knows that? I don't even know that, and I know a lot about him. So it kind of, you know, blows my mind in a way. So, you know, somebody who's extremely well thought of and, you know, respected and all that stuff, and then you go and you... You just go, you know, you just go, okay, what exactly, what exactly does this mean? <clears throat> and then there's a picture on the right-hand side down the page a little bit, too. It says, Mitchell, together with Benjamin Netanyahu, Mahmoud Abbas, and Hillary Clinton at the start of direct talks on September 2nd, 2010. So he's sitting there. It's a cozy little group around a little coffee table. Um He's definitely connected all kinds of different ways. So, you know, some of the stuff David was talking about, I was just like, oh my gosh, I know who that is. You know, <laughs> I wonder if I know anything that relates to this. So, well, they're they're all interwoven somehow. And yeah, I, and GE. Just... That was another thing I was going to mention too. Did you see anything about GE and about the Import Export Bank? That was another banking financial corporation well, that I saw. I learned when I was a stockbroker uh, 
what I was taught in training was the safest stock to put anybody in is simply a mutual fund because a mutual fund is automatically diversified across yeah. a minimum of 20 different securities. So yeah. any one stock can crash to zero in one day. If if really bad news comes out, a stock can suddenly become worthless. But if, with a mutual fund spread out over 20 different stocks, it's impossible for a mutual fund to drop to zero in one day. Now, they've all had bad days, but none of them have been that bad. Okay, well, then somebody mentioned General Electric to me. And when I started investigating General Electric and how diversified that enormous company is, I realized General Electric is a mutual fund. It is so broad-based, and, and it's got its fingers in everything, from defense to to the engines that power airliners to toasters to you name it. So, yeah, they're enormous, and if, if they've been doing any skullduggery stuff, I'm not surprised. Well, well, the thing about GE, I'd heard some people say before that GE was actually one of the things running the country, so surprised me, you know. Yeah. Uh, backing up in the chat a few lines up, uh, Guest 5 was asking me for about a, a, an intro to Able Danger, and... Uh, uh, I guess he had already seen that video, but I'll mention it to you, uh, the video, I, the YouTube I put up. That is the one where I said was kind of a sad thing because Field got all his points out in a 60-minute interview, but he never took a breath, and he never allowed the host to ask any questions. Yeah. So if if you want to hear Field rattle off everything we've ever talked about on Able Danger in 55 minutes, that's the video to watch. But uh, as far as clarifying any details that uh, that James Corbett might have wanted to know, I'm yeah. sorry he didn't give James Corbett uh, space to to insert a question anywhere in those 55 minutes. So yeah. anyway, that, that's the video I, I referred to last week. Uh, it's it's all a mess, and what can we do other than just keep pointing it out? And maybe somebody in power will will learn from our posts and uh, and do something about it. Um, well, because the thing is, even with what we're talking about tonight, we have no idea what the motivations are or where these people are coming from. So you could be looking at somebody and think, "What a great person! Look, you know, full of integrity." and find out that they're the one of the most evil planners on the planet because they're hiding behind that. That's oh, exactly, which and is why a lot of intelligent people just don't vote anymore because they've never seen their vote amount to a hill of beans. And, and even if somebody you thought was good gets into office, they suddenly change immediately. Yeah, uh, something's not right there in the background. I, I think I mentioned one of my friends I'll admit to on uh, on Facebook is uh, Adam Go Rightly, who, uh, who wrote an extensive uh, historical book about uh, Charlie Manson. Oh, and that's probably why we were talking about Manson. Yeah, and he's written several other, other books. I, I'm sorry to say I don't have any of them because I'm not rich enough to buy books. Uh, but uh, on his Facebook post, uh, he uh, put up the uh, the campaign speech of uh this John McAfee the software guy. Yeah. The uh the renegade geek software guy 
with a uh we'll just say a unique personality. Uh, and one of Adam's friends commented below uh I'm trying to remember the exact wording because it was pretty funny the way he worded it. He said uh most I think of the wording. Uh, most filthy rich uh, pedophile gun collectors don't get that way until after they get to Washington. <laughs> really? And uh, Adam said, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, Alex Jones has put him on because he has mentioned some things as far as human rights go, it, it, good points. But uh, YouTube recommended another 30, 60 minute thing done by Dateline on John McAfee. And he's a pretty surly guy. Yeah. Uh, they started interviewing several of his past girlfriends down in Belize that were like 16 when he was We'll just say intimately involved with with him, uh, and well, this is kind of what uh, uh, Talmud-driven media has taught the American male that that's how you should live: is uh, make a lot of money, blow it on drugs and young women. Well, there's a few other things in life that are worthwhile besides that. Uh, and McAfee just kind of got real rich when he sold a software company, and he went to Belize and did all that that nasty stuff. Uh, has he they matured? Think that's success. That's the thing. Well, they that's, think that's it. Success. Yeah, we know they, we know people that that think that's fine. You're yeah. right. Well, that's what's taught in all sitcoms on on they regular don't know television. They know what's wrong with you that you can't see it. Yeah. Well. What's wrong with starting a family with with one spouse? What's wrong with getting a nice house for that for your family? What's wrong with as your kids get older getting them nice safe cars to drive as they as they turn 16 and get their licenses? What's wrong with that type of success? What's wrong with having a a, a family private airplane to go on vacations? That's the kind of success that appeals to me. If if wealth were to ever hit me, that's what I'd be spending my money on. What's wrong with uh, spending, taking a good portion of of your wealth and helping other people to get on their feet and get their own prospering business, such yeah. as investing in somebody else's business, yeah. which is drastically lacking in this country. And I mentioned it before, uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 34 and 35, Jesus Christ himself gives us the investment plan of how the planet planet economy is supposed to work. It's on investments. It's living off the fruit of seeds that yield abundantly. Yeah, that's right, because you never run out. You never run out. There's no lack. Right, and and natural seeds pay off in abundance That's when right. they are farmed properly. But when they're treated like a banker and whipping the daylights out of its slave and demanding interest from from day one, no, that's yeah. a wrong economy. Yeah. Uh, 
so I would just like to see wealth applied properly uh, w- would be great. And we'd certainly see a change here on the planet if, if that were to happen. But, yeah, what are we taught on sitcom television is uh, go blow it on drugs and, and young women. And uh, as soon as your your, your young uh, uh, concubine uh, starts showing wrinkles, you dump her for another one. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not humanity in my terms. So uh, that's, uh, that's the lifestyle of a, of a drug-crazed pedophile. And I'm sorry to say that's what John McAfee lived like uh, down in, in Belize there for a while. Has he matured enough that he might actually be a good cabinet member over something today? I don't know. Uh, I have a hard time believing in overnight repentances of people who, who suddenly get religion and claim that, oh, I'm cured of that, and uh, so you can trust me now. Well, overnight I don't believe. I do believe in the doctrine of repentance. Some people can change and have. But uh, is it going to be overnight? No, you better see some proof in it. So whether I would trust John McAfee with anything, I don't know at this point. Uh, he does ring, bring up some good issues that need to be dealt with. And he's, of course, been a computer expert, so he might have some some wisdom to share on uh, on making our, our personal data files a little safer than they are. I, I don't know. But uh, but that that was just a funny observation from uh, from Adam Gorightly's friends was that uh, usually people don't get that way until after they get elected and yeah well that says a lot about uh, <laughs> for society and and somewhat conservative people like Alex Jones or even Desert Pete to even consider somebody like that for a for a political position. But but jumping back to that that debate, and I, I think I put in the the chat room. I know people who live in Simi Valley who wouldn't drive down the street to go to the debates last night. <laughs> to go to what? To go to the presidential debate last night over at the uh, the Reagan. Oh, that could camp. have driven there. You mean? Yeah. The, yeah, it could have driven or walked uh, over to the the Reagan uh, uh, Library for the debates. But uh, everybody knows a big media event like that. Even if you live across the street, you really don't want to walk into that crowd. <laughs> no. So, uh, uh, but from what the the few reports I've read, uh, Carly Fiona made a few intelligent remarks, uh, just lambasting Planned Parenthood for the piece of trash that it is, and uh, Trump got in some digs against the pharmaceutical companies. And how dangerous vaccines are. So that was surprising to hear. Yeah, I so, know. Uh, I didn't see it, and I so I purposely avoided any comments about it because it made me so mad that it wasn't on regular television that everyone could see it. Hmm. So I was like, fine, then if that's the way they want it, then I'm not going to pay attention to what they have to say about it because it's second and third hand. It's not me seeing it. Yeah. It's well, someone else telling me about it. Not going to do that. Granted, people with jobs usually have cable TV and have CNN, but uh, there's 90 million of us. Maine, you can't even get television on anything but over the air. It's the only TV they can get because there is no cable, there is no satellite where they live. That we have people in Maine that can't see television. So really, yeah, because we have. 
we have a small population, so they're not going to run cable down some road where there's one house down at the bottom. Well, not even satellite? Well, if you have satellite, you need flat ground. It doesn't go through hills and stuff. You have to have something to put it on. You, you got. That's true. It. The the installer's got to find an open spot of the sky that's not well, we hit, blocked by trees. Where, or. Yeah, we have places that are very difficult. It was something that people yeah. talked about during the ice storm that we had that there were people out of touch because they they didn't have anything like that where they lived. And then they did the when they did the digital television that was a fiasco too because they couldn't get it. A lot of people can't get television. They don't have television. So it either needs to be streaming somewhere where they can get it online through their phone or something, or they have to, you know, pay for everyone to have cable for the basic channels or something. I don't know. There's people that never saw that. They're only going to hear what someone tells them on the media about, you know, who won. Like, oh, I heard Carly Arena did really well because there were people talking about it. But... It made uh-huh. me mad that I couldn't see it myself. So I just was like, uh-huh. fine. They can have their little club, the people that pay for their television, and the rest of the people are out in the cold again. Something important that they want to pay attention to, and they can't. So I went over to C-SPAN, and I said, well, they used to have free stuff that was you know, live, but now they charge over there. You have to be a member or something to get C-SPAN. Really? I believe well, so. Well, then... Then the media is only catering to the elite. Then the elite that have jobs and cash flow. Well, I don't know about elite, but they're catering to people that pay for television. They're not. Yeah, pay, I, they're I, not worried about people that don't have television paid for. I see. Guest five called it Talmud Vision, and that's that's Talmud pretty Vision, true. Yeah. Um. Well, you're right. Those of us who can't afford even an internet connection or, or whatever, and I'm getting close to that. Uh, well, they want the masses, but then they don't make sure the masses can get it. It doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. If you want the masses to get your message, then you have to make sure they see it. How are they going to see it if they don't have television? CNN, yeah, well, I heard about CNN. CNN did a terrible job. CNN this and that, and I'm like, CNN is pay television. Where was it otherwise? It should have been somewhere where people could watch it on one of the networks or all the networks. Back in the old days, it would have been on everything. But I'm not going that far. There was a funny video clip I saw on Facebook, and Facebook links don't always work if you start to copy them to other people. You have to be logged into your Facebook account to watch them, whatever. But it it made a remark of... uh, This was funny. It was a response to news that uh, Rupert Murdoch had just purchased National Geographic. Oh, yeah. And it said, here, here is a typical wildlife response. And it was some crazy lizard just freaking out, and they had pasted in a, a long row of profanities in a row of, of a lizard just going insane. <laughs> Learning uh, that, that Rupert Murdoch had just just purchased National Geographic, so that was kind of funny. But um, uh, uh, yeah, I don't I think that'll to? be quite the same as the National Geographic we all know. Well, only thing I could say National Geographic needed to clean up its act on is its 
religious position on uh, evolution as if that was carved in stone fact when it has no substance in reality at all. The most advanced, educated astrophysicist I ever met in my life, multiple PhDs, uh, he wouldn't commit to a specific religion, but he said the universe has too much organized design to it for it to ever have been an accident. I, so, when I and, hear people talk about it, I just go, my gosh, it would have to be changing right in front of your eyes to have occurred as fast as they said. Yeah, You'd have so, to be seeing it, and you're not seeing it. So That's for, for, prove it. Yeah, but, for National Geographics to be so ardently atheist right from square one just shows that they have their own religious agenda themselves. And, uh, well, as I, as I mentioned last week, uh, they have their own Messiah complex. Oh, question everything. Well, that means you know the answer to everything, right, if you want to question everything. Uh, so, uh, anyway, bro broad rush the arrogance. But other than that, National Geographic has had some of the best photography in history. Oh, my gosh. I, just, you, I used to have just piles of National Geographic at school because people would bring them in. They couldn't bear to get rid of them, so they'd bring them in. And I'd tell them, you know, I appreciate these. If there's nowhere else you can donate them, I'll fill in my, you know, collection and mm -hmm. and uh, the rest I'm going to let the kids cut. And they just look at me like, oh, cut them. Well, the thing is, they were so plentiful. I mean, you don't need five copies of, you know, 1975, whatever. So well, it was just like so hard. But the kids loved it because when they could cut them, they could take them for their reports and put actual pictures in their reports and stuff. They loved that. So they used to cut up some of them, and we had a whole, we had a complete set of National Geographic, pretty complete, like way back. And they used them a lot for research, especially well, on back countries. in in the 50s, 60s, and early 70s. That was just a pleasurable benefit of life was what did it cost you five dollars a year got you a subscription to national geographics and fantastic know, photography from all over the world yeah i think so it was fairly inexpensive yeah uh, so of course uh it stacked up in in people's homes and you eventually run out of room and nobody not everybody has a, a, a big library of their own so I can understand why they got so abundant, but you have to admit they they found the best nature photographers in the world for that yeah, stuff. Yeah, beautiful. And, and I uh, that was one of the one of the magazines out there that really inspired me to to become a professional photographer in my one of my first early careers was yeah, they uh, had um, they had books for children too. They had a lot of um, nice reference type books too that we used to buy and maps and stuff like that for the library. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh will uh will Rupert Murdoch insert uh, some kind of a Zionist uh, <laughs> agenda to it? Who knows? He he's yeah. he's had a reputation for kind of altering everything he buys, but uh we'll see what happens. Uh let's see, I was gonna comment something on the Pope and well, outside of the joke that I added, uh, somebody sent me a long list of stuff that's going on in the background, and they presented a kind of a solid case from their perspective that the Pope may be declaring control of the whole planet 
as wow. of next Thursday or Wednesday, whatever yeah. day he, he announces there, wow. and that some certain military action might be taking place immediately after that. Yeah. Now, I have to raise the question, though, based on what I first mentioned here on UDA last week, in that I just recently met a a businessman who was born in Spain. He's presently an American citizen, but he's done extensive business in Europe and South America. And he tells me the reason the Swiss Guard is stationed around the Vatican is not to keep the public out, it's to keep the Pope in. And that he is on a short leash from Swiss banks. So that's from somebody who's done a lot of business over there and kind of knows of what he speaks. So if the Pope says anything earth-shaking, he's speaking for the banks uh, when he comes over here. Um, He doesn't seem to control much of anything. Now, something that crossed my mind, jumping back to my own Protestant evangelical upbringing, uh, is I remembered a a passage my dad referenced quite often uh, as he worded it, and I see he he misspelled one word, uh, wounded unto death, uh, applied to the Antichrist. Uh, Well, I double-checked King James Version, and it says wounded to death. And it's in Revelation 13, I think it is. Um, But when you read the actual verse, it really gets weird. And we all know Revelation borders on on an LSD trip at times. Uh, Because it says wounded in one of his two heads. And it's implying that the beast will have two heads. Now... YouTube as it is, I guess there is a living human being out there with two heads and two hearts, but she's a lady uh, and about 20-some years old. The only person I know that survived such a situation to have one body but two heads. Do you think it might just be symbolic, though? That's the next issue. The trouble is, as soon as you start getting allegorical about anything, you have to wonder, well, where does it stop? Now yeah. should I get allegorical about everything or just in one point? It, it, that's where you get into hermeneutics and and the fine lines of biblical scholarship. That, yeah, when uh, when Christ used the term, get the log out of your own eye, he was obviously being allegorical because a log would crush your skull. So he was exaggerating, understandably, to get his point out there. Uh, but there's so many other areas in Scripture that he's quite literal, and you better take him literal or you miss the whole purpose of Christianity, doing unto others as you want them to do unto you. You better take that literal. Uh, but when it comes to... Uh, now I look at... We've got two other facts here out of Catholic history that we got to face up to here. I don't think this has ever happened. Uh, I only learned in the last five, ten years that there is a black pope and a white pope, and that's not the race. That is just the category they're put under. Uh, 
the Black Pope heads the Jesuits and the Knights of Malta, I think it is, being kind of the military arm of the Vatican. And the White Pope is the Pope that everybody sees on television. Uh, up until just a few years ago, it was Ratzinger was the White Pope and Colvinbeck was the Black Pope yep. heading up the Jesuits. But for whatever reason, both of those two guys resigned, and they're still alive. Yeah, that's. I talked about some of this stuff last week because it was saying that the Catholic Church actually changed in 2013 when Francis came in, and that it went to this universal, whatever, Ecclesius or something like that. Yeah. And that Francis was Jesuit, and he's he's resuming the authority. The way they put it sounded like he's the supreme authority on the earth. That's why I'm saying that some of the stuff that sounds like it could happen is that he is going to come over and say, look, I'm above all of you, and I say this is how it's going to be. And I don't know. I mean, who who on the earth is in charge? We don't really know that, but we know it's not... Boehner and Pelosi and Reed and them. We know it's not them. So who is in charge? Who is supposed to be in charge right now? Well, I don't think anything has changed since Christ was here because Christ referred to Satan as the the god of this world while he was walking here on earth himself. He referred to Satan as the small g god of this planet. Uh, Well, it's just, you know... not much has changed in that aspect. That the, the, we see the the overall intention is control of the planet and and kicking people down with the Orwellian uh, iron boot on 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 your neck uh, all your life kind of a kind of a scenario is what we're we're facing and it's a different style iron boot for everybody. In my case, it's broken water lines or. Uh, or smog certificates that fail by one part per million. Yeah, but, really. Uh, everybody else has has their own uh, cross to bear. Um, uh, so we've got that. But but finishing up my point on on the Catholic Church, you, you had the the hidden half of the Black Pope over the the Jesuits and the Knights of Malta, and then you had the public half, which was the Sistine Chapel and the Michelangelo art and 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 the white pope uh doing the public appearances and whatever he and the mother teresas and and all the public pr we see from the catholic church was kind of under the white pope yeah uh the first time in history both of them resigned colvinbeck and ratzinger i don't think we've ever seen both the black and the white pope resign at the same time and then get replaced by I guess it's Nicholas is the the new black pope, and of course Francis now is the new white pope, and it's Francis who again is the public figure that's yeah. going to be speaking at the UN. So if Scripture was referring to two heads, well, there's two heads, the heads of an organization, if you want to figuratively look at it like that. And if that's what Scripture was referring to, 
then one of them is going to get shot in the head. Uh, if that's the case. And I it's don't know. Be... I don't know. I, I can't figure it out. But, I mean, if you already have in mind, you know, some scenarios that you think are likely, then you just watch. Because <laughs> what else can you do but that? Well, that's it. I uh, I got no control over it. If no, I didn't tell you, I, I have a friend of mine who was raised Baptist, but he married a Catholic, and his wife really had some connections. And she got VIP tickets to meet the Pope when he comes to Washington, D.C. Hmm. And he mentioned that to me, and I said, I wouldn't touch those with a 50-foot pole. <laughs> I don't want to get anywhere near that guy, but I, I turned around and said, boy, you got to turn around and sculpt those things immediately. They're worth a fortune. <laughs> Somebody out there is nuts enough to pay a fortune to, to go shake hands with Pope Francis. Uh, not me. <laughs> but uh, he, Of course, he was kind of offended at me saying that, but I'm thinking, hey, look, we, we both I'm, need... I'm a, trying we, to tell you my viewpoint on this. It's not probably the best place you want to be right now, right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, anyway, we should know something by this time next week. Yeah. Uh, and there was a YouTube video just a while ago pointing, uh, last couple of months, pointing out that the the city of Jerusalem is uh, getting its border cordoned off with the uh, road blockages and whatever, and it appears to be being done by the Vatican in preparation for blocking off the city and the likelihood of the Pope declaring a one-world religion, and that's going to be the the new Vatican, maybe. And the new one-world government. He's probably well, going to tell them all they can go home now. Yeah. Uh, so this may be to appease the Zionists and... We know the the preaching of of the Talmudic Jews are that uh, they will recognize their Messiah when he brings peace to Jerusalem. Well, if the Pope declares a one-world religion and we're going to run it from Jerusalem, they might fall for that line. I don't know. Well, Neil Keenan's thing that he was talking about was about that the Jesuit Pope was going to assume control and that as soon as the Jesuits got the control away from the Illuminati, then the Jesuits were the ones that were going to have to be gone after next. But, you know, like, it's just like a chess game. It's like, okay, so if that's the case, then is Neil Keenan, like, taking a group of people down the road with him to say, well, this is okay, because we're just going to take the Jesuits down next? I mean, there aren't even enough people that even know what the heck this means or even anything about who the people are or the groups or the history of it or anything else. So how the heck can you, you know, how can you get your head wrapped around it? You really can't. So may as well yeah. sit back and eat the popcorn, I guess. Yeah. See, James <laughs> says I make him laugh. I hope he's laughing with me and not at me. But uh, yeah, Really? But we're we're all going through confusing times here and we're trying to trying to iron out the wrinkles. Yeah, and we're but. not supposed to know everything. We already know this. <laughs> we're not supposed to it's, know everything. Uh, it's confusing, and and the few people I run into that question everything are so arrogant you can't have a conversation with them, <laughs> even if they knew the answer to everything. 
they aren't they're so arrogant they wouldn't explain it to you so uh <laughs> in end times arrogance i think is the 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 worst curse of all uh prophecy teachers who think that their their interpretation of prophecy is the only way to look at it well not quite i'm sorry the the hell Lindsay's of the world really need to go into quiet retirement. Uh they've been wrong more times than they're right. And while I I may share some of his beliefs, I, I just can't can't fall for his uh his endless anxiety of Christ is gonna be coming tonight. You've got to be ready. And I'm thinking, well, my dad taught me to put faith in Jesus Christ when I was ten years old, so I've been ready since I was ten. And it's over 50 years later now, and uh, he hasn't arrived yet, so I still believe he's coming. But I'm not going to go setting any dates and making a fool of myself saying that uh, somebody's going to be coming tomorrow and they don't arrive. Because that seems to be how all of my investors end up is, uh, oh, I found somebody. They want to invest uh, X amount of money with us, and so we can finally... uh, all get company cars and uh, and get a facility yeah. and and finish our product and right. and the investor never shows up and they disappear off the internet for several weeks yeah. at a time. And, it's to discourage right, you, right. anyways. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is so that you'll say, "Oh, this is not going to happen this time. It's not going to happen this time." I listened to something this morning and it was so good, but now I can't remember what it was. I was listening to it on my little tablet upstairs, but it was somebody talking about, and I think they recorded it in August but they were talking about September 23rd and about what they believed was to be happening. And it was really interesting, and it was the same kind of stuff. It's like, you know, I know that people have talked about this. I know they've said, yeah, right, I'll believe it when I see it, because all the different false alarms and, you know, things that have fallen through, I think sometimes they fall through just for the mere fact that people noticed it before it happened, so they couldn't do that because, the game was up, you know, they want it to be a game, they want it to be a surprise or whatever, and it isn't if people know. So, I don't know, I I think that they have something planned, because he's going to be coming, so I guess we're going to have to just hear what he has to say. Yeah. Um... I forget if it was Craig Zismansky or Eric John Phelps, who both kind of fit the extreme version of blame the Jesuits on everything. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, they've studied Catholic and Vatican history more than I have. Uh, they claim that pay close attention to exactly what the Pope does when he steps off the plane. Okay. If he goes forth to shake hands with whoever the political leader is of that country, that's simple diplomacy. If the first thing he does after he steps off the last step of the plane is to get on his knees and kiss the ground, he's claiming ownership yeah, of that I've country. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, uh, for what it's worth, and I guess the last time a a pope visited Cuba, they kissed the ground, and well, it's a Catholic country, so you can expect that, and it's it's kind of a common occurrence of seeing video clips of him kissing ground frequently, but sometimes he does not. Uh, 
and it depends on the the political climate. I mean, yeah. he, he wouldn't dare do that in Russia because uh, uh, I'm still learning about Orthodox Catholics, and anyone in the chat is welcome to correct me if I'm wrong on this, but uh, Orthodox Catholicism does not recognize the Pope in Rome, as far as I understand. I mean, they're, they're almost like Catholic Protestants. The, the, the Pope ain't going to tell them what to do at all. Now, I think I'm right on that, and I could be wrong. But uh, but that that's just one little area that's, that's kind of confused me all my life, is the difference between all the Orthodox Catholics in, in Russia, the Russian Orthodox Church, Greek Greek Orthodox, What's the difference between them and the Roman Catholic? And I think the only difference is is seating the Pope in Rome is is the main difference. Um, I don't see anybody exploding with <laughs> with comments. So I don't know. Maybe everybody in the chat board is as confused as I am on that one. Oh, some but, people some people showed up because a minute ago it was just. James Skin, Straight Shot, Guest 5, and Val Am. <laughs> that was all that was here. Mm, okay. So now some other people showed up. Well, welcome others. and uh, Yeah, Dottie came not, back. Hope we're not boring you silly with, uh, as we, we ramble on on the topics of the time here and, well, and just admit yeah. our, <laughs> admitting our confusion on a lot of matters. Yeah, there's, but, uh, just very, there's just so much to cover, and everybody is, like, working on different things, too, so kind of hard. Yeah. I, I always enjoy listening to somebody, to an authority figure who really knows his topic, but you don't have to listen to many of our conservative talk shows very long to learn that some of their guests are more ego than they are research knowledge. Yeah. And they'll just blow off about knowing this and that and question everything. And, oh, they know the answer to everything. Well, excuse me, sorry, sir, you don't. Uh, what? This uh, one, of the, the, one of the black presidential Republican candidates uh, just got caught with a fupa claiming that the Arab race came out of Esau and the, the Republican talk show host said, well, excuse me, Mohammed didn't show up until a thousand years after Christ. How are you tying Arabs to, uh, how are you tying uh, the Muslim religion to Esau way back before Christ? And, well, yeah, he got his timeline kind of screwed up. Yeah. And that's easy to do because, uh, shocks, I've been raised a Christian all my life, been to church many times. There's still things in the Old Testament I don't have the exact timeline of who begat who and, uh, which uh, which scandal turned into another nation and, and whatnot. Uh, the Bible is confusing because life is confusing. Uh, so, But then again, I don't want to jump down and call somebody a, a heretic and other dirty names just because they, they misunderstood some complex soap opera timeline out of the Jewish family in the history, way back in history. So, But it can happen to anybody. And... Uh, how does it apply to us today? I guess that's that's the the, the main question we have to ask. And and who's likely to jump up and uh, whack my head off with a sword or uh, 
uh-huh. or assassinate me from the other side of the other side of the street. Uh, those we need to be a little concerned about. And I'm sorry to say, uh, it's just as risky to have that kind of garbage happen from Mossad as it is from some Muslim extremists. And we're just seeing we're dealing with crazy people on both ends of the spectrum there. So, uh, so will the Pope declare himself uh, uh, king of the world next week? We'll just wait and see. Well, according to the stuff I was reading, he already is. He was, and no one was telling anyone about it. That's what I mean when I said, is that something that has been made up now, or is that something from the past that nobody knew? Because back when um, some of these things were supposedly reinstated in 2013 that existed previous to 1057, so it's like the Catholic Church changed and then changed back. According to this history that I got from Neil Keenan's site, that thing, that PDF file I was talking about last week, I didn't tell the whole thing about it because it was dry, but it was set like 75 pages, this PDF file, and I'd read about half of it because it was hard to read because I printed it out like a pamphlet so I wouldn't use so much paper. So, But it had all kinds of like... Um, the symbolism and what the symbolism meant and all kinds of the European history mixed in and it was very interesting. But from what it sounded like to me was that the Pope was going to re was going to reassert his authority over the world and was going to basically lay down the law to the Congress and speak to the UN about it and it was gonna be like reasserting this is what's gonna happen. And, you know, to me that sounds true. And the reason it does is because we've got the three the three powers there. We've got the, the the spiritual at the Vatican, we've got the banking at the City of London, and we've got the military at, you know, D.C. So they have everything they need to enforce that, if that is what's going to happen. They, there's nothing we'd be able to do about it. What could we do about it? That would be a worldwide force. Yeah. So, you know, I uh, don't know what other conclusion anybody could come to. It's not going to be like the American Revolution, that's for sure. I know one of the – my dad, besides being an excellent preacher, evangelist, was also a good artist. And given the the technology of the day, they didn't have projectors and, and that sort of stuff. They yeah. painted charts on on a big canvas, and that was something that he could roll up and put it into a bag and carry from one church to the next, and then right. uh, just stretch a rope across the podium, across yeah. the platform, and then hang this this big wall chart on that. Uh, I remember in one of his prophetic charts, he pointed in the I don't know which prophecy it was, probably out of Daniel of. Uh, of the statue with a head of gold and shoulders of silver and the grade of metal kept getting cheaper and cheaper until it got down to the feet and that was iron mixed with clay uh, in that, uh, yeah, it was all glamour at the top but it was ready to collapse at the bottom. 
and they were speaking of, of the end-time governments. Well, as, as you were pointing out, looking at the three, the, the spiritual at the Vatican or Jerusalem, uh, the financial up in London or Switzerland, and the military being in, in Washington, D.C., uh, yeah, but since Dick Cheney, we now see the military squandering lots of money on on the F-35, which I'm not finding many people defending that plane at all. And I've I've almost thought of uh, of just making a uh, throwing together a, a fake document. Uh, and I figure, well, I may in, intend it as humor, but I'm sure somebody would misinterpret it as as being real if I did it too good. So I'd better not even make it to put up on the Able Danger chat board. But my thought was. Uh, issuing a purchase order from the Pentagon to Lockheed, asking Lockheed, here, build us a piece of crap that we can charge a trillion dollars for. And Lockheed engineers, being obedient that they are, designed a piece of crap that costs a trillion dollars. <laughs> well, the and thing they, is, they, the, it's the money. It's not really the product. How many times uh, have we heard that? Yeah. But uh, I, I just remember I was at Lockheed back in the uh, oh the five hundred dollar hammer and thousand dollar toilet seat days uh, scandals, and I remember seeing the uh, uh, the Lockheed employee weekly newspaper or bi-weekly whatever it was uh, explain why the toilet seats and the coffee makers and whatnot on a C5 cost as much as they did. And they said it was because unique, odd specifications were called out on the blueprint that had to be adhered to. And if you don't make this out of a certain grade stainless steel bolt to fasten the seat down, et cetera, et cetera, and they even called out the dimensions of the seat had to be such and such, and it was nothing you could pull off the shelf at Home Depot or whatever we had in those days. It was just a little odd enough so that it had to be custom-made for each plane, and they pointed out that that's why the, the toilet seat was eight, $500, $800, whatever it was at those times. That sounded ridiculous, but Lockheed had to deliver what the Pentagon specified and what they specified was expensive to do. So uh, I'm thinking, well, that's probably the same excuse they're using on the F-35. Is somebody threw in some really expensive call-outs that were totally unnecessary, but it ran the cost of the plane into insanity. Yeah. So... Uh, Lockheed delivers what the Pentagon asks for, and if they ask for a piece of crap, Lockheed will deliver a piece of crap. Uh, and that that's the only defense I can say for a company I used to used to get a paycheck, and for that matter, I still get their pension check from, from them, as small and meager as it is. But, uh, uh, well, that's how it is. And it's uh, it's getting dark outside, and I need to draw my shades. Otherwise, I'm... I'm sitting here in a fishbowl. <laughs> with the, yeah, it's with 1030 the, here, so we get, like, zoned out, like we're going to fall asleep. But yeah, it's usually when my phone cuts out anyway, mid-sentence. 
Oh, are we coming up to the uh, three-hour point? Yep. Well, any minute now it's going to conk yeah, it out. Yeah, me off. Okay. Well, uh, that's about the end of my notes for the week. And uh, let's hope we can all get back here next week and uh, enjoy seeing a nice crowd. Yeah, me too. I will at least we'll be able to digest whatever we saw that day. <laughs> like uh, what happened exactly? Because yeah. I believe isn't that he's not arriving the twenty fourth. He will have already been here and spoken on the twenty fourth. I believe. So. Well, someone was saying he speaks at the UN on the twenty third. So he's he. Visited. I thought he was going to the UN the twenty fifth. Did they change it? His agenda is Cuba, then meets with Obama, then the United Nations, and then maybe he comes back then to Congress. So you're right, I'm I'm really getting confused on, on what his agenda is, but it it all starts on the twenty third and stretches through the rest of the week is is all we know. So uh so maybe people can tune in for an instant uh instant analysis on UDA next week <laughs> and see what uh what comments we we have to put uh, to put in, and it looks like uh, it looks like Desert Pete's got to do the, uh, uh, the 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 three hour point refill here. So uh, just want to thank everybody for uh, for being here tonight. And uh, there I'm back. Great. So <laughs> I so dropped tu- off. So but tune anyway, in next yeah, week. the dates are kind of weird because um, I've heard different things and I've heard different scenarios of what's happening. Some people were talking about that the Pope's coming because we're going to be hit by a massive asteroid, like on the 28th. So it's like, in a yeah. way, it's like saying goodbye, everyone, have a nice day. <laughs> and I said, you mean like the last rites for the entire planet? And it was basically, you know. Yeah. Well. How do we know? Some comment list after another video. Anyway, the comments at the bottom was saying that the rapture is going to happen on the 15th. Well, that's kind of come and gone. That hasn't happened. And I think I mentioned last week that Kesh pointed out that first day of autumn, you've got a thermal shift as the sun is no longer intensely shining on the northern hemisphere. It's now shining heavily on the southern hemisphere. So you have a thermal shift between the upper and lower continents there. And that traditionally triggers earthquakes, as he was pointing out. I really don't have the quake history to, to know if that was an accurate comment or not, but but it does make sense. So the first day of autumn happens to be the 23rd or 24th. I don't have the calendar in front of me. Yeah. Uh, so that could be triggering some, some geological uh, problems somewhere. And we've already seen that eight-pointer down there in Chile. Well, yeah, uh, that was huge. And, uh, oh, on... You no, know, uh, Bruce Gorman is saying Father Knows. Well... This is the thing that I've been saying all summer, too, to people because they, they're they having very hard times and they're wondering what the heck is going on. And, you know, you have to step back and say, who is it exactly that can see everything? Who can see what's in everyone's heart? Who knows what the motivations are of the people around you? And it's God. And so when you're warned about somebody, you know, get away from that person or get away from this situation, you should be listening to that because, you can't see it. It's being masked from you. But it's not being masked to God because God sees it all. So that's where I, you know, that's how I feel about it as far as 
planning anything or looking at an event that's coming. And there isn't any fear when you have that in your mind. There's no fear at all because it's all planned out. It's going to happen. One way, yeah. or, you know, yeah. one way or the other, it's going to happen. And um, it might be bad for a little while or it might be good. It might be awesome. Maybe we're going to find out that, hey, these people have no power anymore. Haul them away to prison. Start today, you know, whatever. Start early. Um, we just don't know. And we can't do anything. If we could, we would. So what we're saying is our intention is that there should be something good coming out of this for humanity. That's what our intention is. You know, we don't have an intention to let's wipe out a bunch of people. So we yeah. just want justice. We want things to, you know, we want the good guys to win. We want justice to prevail. And the people that are doing evil things, we want them to stop it. So whatever happens that causes that, you know, how are we going to, we can't really prevent or direct anything. All we can say is what we want to see. So. Yeah. Comments there in the chat. We're all in agreement here. Uh, As far as being ready for, for Christ's return, to be ready simply means following his commandments. And he commanded us to do unto others as you want them to do unto you. And when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? That's what he said. And that sums up the law and the prophets. And if if you're not treating other people decently, you're not following Christ. So as far as being ready, you better be treating other people around you properly and stop voting in warmonger politicians that want to start hate wars against someone or something or some right. elusive don't entity that doesn't even exist. <clears throat> don't condone the evil stuff that you see around you. If you don't know it's there and you've looked for it, you're not responsible for that. But you are if you've seen it and you have done nothing, that you've not said a word, that you've allowed it, that you've helped it. There's people that are helping it because they think they have to because if they don't, then, you know, what's going to happen and stuff. And they're involved. You know, this stuff, the thing that made me feel the most hopeful that I read in that PDF file from Neil's site was that if the Pope actually does have this supposed, um, what did he call it, Um, missionaries of mercy or something where the people can go to the church and confess whatever it is and in other words get right after whatever it is they've done because who's going to know anyway because they've gone into church gone to confession basically um that some of these people that have been trapped in these different well well-planned traps that we know have existed for a long time, long before we were born, how they get control over people and how they get power over them that any one of us could have walked into. I can say that because I know darn well there were probably times that I was close to walking into something like that and not knowing it, but saying, oh, I don't think so. You know, just some some uh, intuition I had that maybe this wasn't such a good group to go, you know, hang out with or whatever. But that's how some of these people got entrapped, and it was when they were young. It was like college age, and now they're like in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. They've lived with that their whole life, knowing that they could be exposed at any time. Um, Those people, some of those people, in my view, have to be, they have to have some way out of it. 
in a way like turning state's evidence or something, I don't know, protected in some way because they didn't intentionally go into it. They were tricked into it to begin with. I, you know, to me, I like that idea. That, that to me seems like a fair and just thing to happen to people because they were tricked. They didn't say, hey, I think I'll go and be a, you know, corrupt person and take advantage of everyone, but they were dragged into these groups. Pretty well, awful stuff that they use for that, that extortion stuff or blackmail or whatever they do. Pretty terrible stuff. It's not just the usual thing like you, like people would think, like, you know, I'm going to tell about this thing. We're talking about people being murdered in front of them or them taking part in something and finding out after it that it was a murder or that, that what they just ate was a person. That kind of stuff. Hideous stuff. Yeah. Well, that's Things that would be so shocking that most people go off the deep end and have to take drugs the rest of their life just to live with it because they lived through that. And, you know, not everybody's made of that kind of kind of thing where they could, you know, could bear it. And I'm sure some people probably didn't and they just killed themselves. But I just have feelings about some of the people that I know that have changed in personality so significantly that I think there's, there's stuff like that that happened to them, and they can't tell. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting anyway. People will speculate, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a, <clears throat> it's a tough world. Yes, five has no pity. I'm not talking about the ones that came out evil and stayed evil. I'm talking about people that were brought in that were good people that got entrapped. And that happens to people that are valuable in some way. In other words, they're connected. Like, say they're at college and somebody takes them to this cool party. And um, it's all the upper mucky mucks. It's like, you know, the cool people, the ones you want to hang with because you're 20 or 19. And they pull you into their thing they're doing. It's not something that you chose. It's something you got tricked into. And as far as being weak, I don't know. I... I'm just saying. I don't think all of it is from weak people either. So, no, I think there should be a way that people can um, come back from it. And yeah. no, it's not the ones that, it's not somebody like Hillary <laughs> who has spent her whole life uh, helping people do bad stuff. She is actually actively participating, but these are people, I'm talking about the people that are used as tools, like, um, what is it, Desert Pete, it was like uh, David Hawkins would say, it isn't that they overtly would do something, it's that they would fail to act when their responsibility was to act, because that way, all they did was didn't do the job, and it's easily forgiven or something, isn't that what he said? Like, they're yeah. supposed to be standing guard, but for some reason they weren't there at that moment. Or And they only ask them once. They don't have them do it again and again. It's one time. Well, the, you know, I forget what who the author was that comment was. was the uh, uh, It's not the issue of uh, the, the noble failing. It's a matter of those who have the ability doing nothing. Yeah, but I'm talking about the one where, say you were having a, 
some kind of a crime where you want to take out some world leader or something, and and you have this person that's in a position where all they have to do is fail to act. That's their only job they have to do. Um, kind of like the mafia, you know, how yeah. they would well, organize things. And it's the one time. They don't ask you again because that way it looks like, well, they isn't that a bummer? The person normally would be there, but that particular time something happened that was weird, freak, and he wasn't there to well, protect. Right. The, they they dropped their responsibility. The, 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 that's definitely wrong. They're as guilty as the assassin himself. To, to create the sudden vulnerability. Yeah. The the guard who was so supposed to be watching Abraham Lincoln who let John Wilkes Booth <laughs> get in. Yeah. Uh, well, remember the things that were happening at the White House where they'd say the Secret Service, they somebody was sitting in his car on his cell phone or something and didn't see the guy run across the lawn or something. The first thing I'm thinking of is it's his freaking job to see the guy run across the lawn. What is he doing in his car? Yeah. To me, that would have been a perfect candidate for somebody who was asked to just, oh, I had to take a call and I missed it kind mm-hmm. of thing. That's how they threaten people. They, it's like, so who's threatened? Somebody at the White House that thinks, oh, my God, I'm not being protected. I think that I am, but I've got people here that aren't protecting me. How many invasions into the White House have we had in the last few years? We've heard of several. Oh, speaking of, you put something up uh, last week from the Bangor Daily News about the, uh, and I forget the acronym now, of the uh, the aircraft collision avoidance system uh, yeah. by FAA shutting down for a period of time. Yeah, what was uh, that? I don't even understand that. I, I sent that link over to my other pilot friend, and he says that is rare. October he, 1st, I think, is when they were going to turn it back on. Oh, it was for, yeah, like a whole month. And that would be after the Pope's visit. Now, some people are telling me the Jade Helm exercise is already over. I thought it was tied into Jade Helm, but no, it's tied into something else. It was supposed to be over on the 15th of September, but didn't we hear somewhere that it was extended? But then I heard people saying it was over again. They were gloating about it. Hey, it hap- It ended and nothing happened. Texas is still not Muslim. You know, that kind of stuff, yeah. gloating. Well, but yeah. I thought it was extended the time for it. That was the arrogant attitude of uh, Gordon Duff when he was on Rents last, was uh, yeah. just total put-down of Alex Jones and, and Dabu Seven and laughing them all off as, as conspiracy maniacs. And uh, Gordon Duff doesn't have too much to boast about himself. He is a defense contractor who oddly criticizes Israel a lot, but he does a lot of business with Israel. Now, which yep. is it? Are they criminals or are they business associates of yours? Why don't you uh, admit what's going on in, in your business life, sir? So Gordon Duff has the advantage of being personally wealthy. Consequently, he can go places and find things out that those of us who can only research on our computers cannot possibly do. So he's got that advantage, but here we get back to the arrogance factor, and I'm not too thrilled with the arrogance that he puts down Alex Jones and others with. Uh, I don't endorse everything Alex Jones says, but I don't broad brush the guy either. He's dug up a lot of good stuff, and he needs to be credited for it. Uh, so um, 
yeah, it's just a, a, a messy, mucky world out there. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, uh, they, um, there were people that were talking. I just Googled their Yahoo searched or whatever and put Jade Helm extended, and, and there were a lot of people talking about was it extended till the 5th to November, but then in the last few days they've been saying, no, it ended on September 17th, uh, 15th. So, and yeah. what the heck does Jade Helm mean? It had a meaning, remember? Yeah, uh, just that most of the definitions I heard came from the admittedly overzealous crowd, and you don't know how good their research was on coming up with the definition of acronyms because anybody can redefine an acronym with anything they want, yeah. whether it's funny Well, and the thing not. is, that's true, they could make that. But even just taking it at face value, Jade Helm sounds like Asia is taking over. That's what it sounds like. I mean, well, Helm is the controls, right? And yeah, Jade, Jade at the authority Helm. associated with Asia. Right. So, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, i got to find Agenda 30. I need to find a copy of that somewhere because yeah. I want to see how it, um, I'm sure it's, just extending Agenda 21. Yeah. Um, or Agenda 2030, I forget what they call it. James can know I'm not a fan of Gordon Duff. I'm I'm just bringing him up in the oddly, uh, a month or two ago, Jim Fetzer broad-brushed Gordon Duff as a total piece of work, junk, on Rents' program, and then two programs later, Rents had Gordon on, and Rents seems to have buddy-buddied up with Gordon and pushed Fetzer aside. And it, it's all a game of divide and conquer, so that the conspiracy world that wants to look into and identify genuine conspiracies well, everybody's into name-calling every one another, and we're not getting anywhere. So uh, I'm, I'm just mentioning what Gordon said the last time he was on Rents, and it was all pretty offensive, but uh, it's the way it well, goes. Well, that George Lees, he was on with Fetzer at some point, I believe, too. Okay, I got the, the link up. I'll have to watch it after the after the show tonight. Well, he uh, to me, it strikes me as a person who's been digging into every detail a lot like David Hawkins and that he, because of stresses in his personal life and being threatened and stuff, he's now turned into, like, you know, nervous and looking out the windows and stuff and having to go to court and call people and stuff, which starts making people look crazy anyway, even if they're not, because they're having to defend themselves as the Lone Ranger, basically. No one else is around. And as far as I can tell, he seems to be you know, genuine in his information that he presents about how um, the people that are running things mask even people who are trying to research by having something else occur that is similar in naming or um, in the ideas behind it so that when you go to research it, you get the other thing. And that actually, while I'm saying that, do you remember when they were talking about Michael Hastings' accident or murder or whatever it was when his car crashed into the tree and burned? Mm-hmm. 
And I actually mentioned it around the same time that there was a person who was in Australia, and that was his name. He was supposedly the rightful heir to the throne, and he was supposed to be the king if they went by the rules of succession in the monarchy. And the person that had done that um, research and gone to see the guy in Australia was um, very detailed in how he did it. You know, it was like about the, the monarchies and the history and the House of Hastings and all kinds of stuff. And he came down to this person, and that was who was supposed to be the king. And it was his name was Michael Hastings. He has since died, but at the time of that car accident, I don't think he was dead. I think it was not that long after, though. Hmm. And so I found that kind of a fascinating little thing, especially when somebody says this is a technique that's used. And I've noticed it a lot more since. Like if you... If you're looking at um, harp, for example, you're talking, you know, thinking about harp, and and the, the, and I'm talking about the harp locations with the auroral, whatever they call it, radio frequencies through the atmosphere stuff. That harp has two A's in it. There's another harp with a, with one A in it, and it is a mortgage relief thing or something with Obama's name on it. So you see harp all over the place with that. So it's like you have like um, common words or people naming a kid and they name it after another kid and you go Google search and you find the other thing, the most recent thing usually, and it masks the other, whatever they don't want you to notice, buries it down 50 pages in on the Google searching or whatever. So very tricky. It's like playing chess. You have to always know what the other move is going to be from the other side, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm I'm zoning out. I need to turn the air conditioner on. The, the summer yeah, heat's coming too. back. Again. I want to go see if I can find Agenda 30 so I can save it up for next week and okay. see if I can go along as the Pope is speaking and check off the little things as he mentions them or something. Uh. <laughs> I appreciate you calling in. Okay, well, everybody pay attention this, for this coming weeks. So we can have intelligent things to toss up in, here in the chat. Come yeah, back. maybe somebody will call in that hasn't. They'll be brave and they'll call in. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, well, if, if somebody wants, uh, anybody listening out there uh, <laughs> wants wants to know, a, wants to get a, a VIP ticket to go shake hands with the Pope in Washington uh, next week, uh, get in touch with me through through Ginger. <laughs> Maybe if you if you bid a pri- high enough price, my friend might actually scalp it. So uh. really, <laughs> there I just yeah. put my email address in there. Okay. No chain letters, no pictures of kitties and puppies. Right. <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah. But uh, but other than that, we'll just uh, wait and see what the what the media reports next week, and we'll. Uh, All right. We'll give our instant analysis then. Yeah. Really. Hopefully the Internet will still be on and they won't say, well, no, we're not going to let you guys use that anymore because in China you're not allowed to talk about this, so you can't do it in Maine either or California because well, we don't so think it's good for you. So far it's still working here. Been able yeah, to and it. all the lights go out every night at 9 o'clock because you guys need to be in bed rather than staying up on the Internet. It's not yes. good for you. Yeah, right. And eat your kale. <laughs> oh, yuck. <laughs> I'm telling you. Every aspect needs to be controlled and and uh, you know a fee attached to it. So 
Oh, man. Kale is decoration. I can't even imagine. I haven't eaten kale as far as I know. I think of it as a weed. We used to we used to do a job called pulling kale, and I'm sure it wasn't the same plant because I think it was mustard or something, but we used to pull it out of the gardens and stuff and get paid for it. But Back when I, I tried a juicing diet, I learned that there was another type of kale. I think they call it Mediterranean kale or something that really looks different. And it's it's actually decent in a salad, but but regular kale, good grief, that's so bitter, it's a decoration. But anyway, I'm yep. rambling on and on here. i got to sign off and get the air conditioner turned back on again. All right. Okay, well, catch you next week. Have a good week. night. All right, okay. have a good one yourself. Bye. Yep, bye-bye. Well, you guys, it's been like, what, three and a half hours. I think it's time to call it a night. So I'm going to... um. I see Bruce on the phone, but Bruce, I don't really want to talk anymore tonight because I think we've pretty much exhausted the topic. So hopefully you come back next week and uh, we'll chat about stuff then and see what's happening. Okay, forgive me. Just tired and it's really hot here too. So, Alrighty then. Um, I want to wish you all a good week and like I say, keep your eyes and ears peeled and if anything big happens, we'll do what we can. If anything big happens between now and then, then I guess what we'll do is we will get on and see what we can do about it if we're able to, okay? On the fly kind of thing, as I always say. Just start a show and go for it. So I'm going to say goodnight to you and hope you have a good week. All right? Hang in there. Two minutes to share your links and say goodnight, all right? Stick around because I think it's going to be exciting. Night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.